the the Repentia box includes one thirty two mil for the mistress. Yeah, and then ten twenty eight point five millimeter round bases. Right. They're not even full twenty eight, they're twenty eight point five. That's just a mess with you, right? I really think it is. <laughs> Made them three and a half millimeters too big to be twenty fives, but three and a half millimeters too small to be thirty twos. Four reasons. Ah, they'll eventually they'll eventually start producing them, I'm sure. Because I don't see GW slowing down on these weird base sizes anytime soon. Probably not. <laughs> and by that, you mean they're going to convert more to this size, or they're going to start coming up with more weird sizes? Uh, yes and yes. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that is coming back from having a depressive breakdown. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, if I can't laugh at myself, then what can I do? Um, I want to First of all, I want to say thank you to all the listeners who wish me well as I had a bad weekend uh, last weekend and we was just not feeling mentally up to recording. So um, there's been a lot of adjustment for me over the last month as I've like started returning to the office for work and I I, I am also bipolar too so I occasionally alternate between periods of depression and periods of low-level mania nothing serious but sometimes I feel just like a bit too energized and it feels weird but most of the time I'm pretty even keeled and it hadn't hit me for about a year and a half um, so uh, it just caught up with me and hit really hard and I did not end up going to Show Me Showdown, although not because of that. I decided not to go to Show Me Showdown because of the Delta strain of COVID that's been running around crazy in Missouri. And I have a kid who can't be vaccinated yet. And so I decided that was not a good choice to make. But it's probably for the best that I didn't end up going because... I would have had a depressive breakdown in the middle of a major tournament, and right. that would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been real bad. So I, I'm, and I'm fine talking about this stuff because if we can talk about things like this, it helps erase the stigma of it. So it's a thing that people go through. Most of the time, I'm fine, but occasionally I'm not, and that that's how my life has been for the last <laughs> years. And <laughs> didn't want to say an age there, did you? <laughs> I, well, I, to be fair, I didn't notice, I didn't really realize what was going on until I was about like 21 or so. Fair enough. Like I would, like, I remember the first time where it's like, I got like really sad. Like I got really sad and upset once and my partner was doing everything she could to make me feel better. And I was like, it's not working. Why aren't you doing the right things to make me happy? And that's when we started realizing, I don't think this is a her problem. And yeah. that's when I figured out that this is a thing that, that this is a problem with me. And I've spent the last like 20 some years, most of the time handling it pretty well, but sometimes it blindsides me. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 
it, it is a thing that happens. And so, like I said, I, I really do appreciate all the well wishes from people and, and telling me it's like, yeah, take, take the time to get yourself right. Which the last week, my brain kind of is, is back to normal working order. So that is good. So I can get back on focusing on the things I enjoy. Although I have some life stuff coming up that's going to possibly derail that for a little while too, but in a good way. So, cause I may be moot. Well, if we can sell our house, which given the current housing market is pretty much a guarantee, I'm going to be moving soon. Although I'm going to only be moving two miles away into my parents' house as my parents are moving away to somewhere else. So, but the great news is it's, oh, it's a ton of work. It's it, especially if we're trying to try, going to try to turn this around quickly but the good news is the new place i'd be moving into there are rooms in the basement one of which is large enough to turn into a dedicated gaming room which would be fantastic and a second room which they already have set up at because my parents were getting into vlogging strangely enough so they bought all the stuff all the lighting gear and everything so i may turn that into a recording and podcasting room Oh, so, nice. like, a, a dedicated production room would be really cool. So, I'm and, like, there's more space for the, everything else. So, it's just, like, it's, it's a really good place to move to. It's just, it's going to be insane. I'm just disappointed that when you decide to move, you didn't do what Dennis and I did and move to, like, another far corner of the country. Like, so we can get as far away as possible. <laughs> or at least, I guess, cover more geographic areas is the proper way to put it. See... <laughs> <laughs> I was still in my mind hoping Richard would go up to Minnesota, then we'd have the West covered, I'd cover the South, Rob could cover the center, Richard could cover we the North. We all know Richard disappears <laughs> once he crosses the Iowa border. Oh, I don't know right, how we right. kept him, I, I don't know that. how we kept him stable for that one trip to Renegade, but it, it the the ritual worked, but I don't know if we can ever do it again. Yeah, yeah this year I'm missing Renegade, kind sorry. Of a, a one-time thing, I think. Ah. Uh, <laughs> slaughter Richard. a goat in this economy? <laughs> Well, that's that's all good news, and like we're glad that you're getting through this, and it is good to talk about it, and uh, you know, let let people know. And actually, it'll kind of come up later. It kind of be relevant to one of the questions we have later of like talking about things and like not sweeping some of these things under the rug and like putting them out there to talk about them. And I think that's that's a positive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, just life life happens sometimes outside of the game that impacts the things we want to do, and it's okay to talk about that. Is so if anybody else out there is, is having trouble coping with things or just having you know having time being in a bad mental state, it's okay to talk about it, and it's okay to realize you don't have it, it. You don't have to go through that kind of thing alone. Talk to somebody. If you, if it's gotten to the point where you need, you know, some sort of like medical assistance or therapy or something like that, do that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Well, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the contact information again for listener mail, but like the, the preferred enemies, Facebook messenger, like the Twitter account, like they're all open. If you have questions, need to talk about something, hit us up. Like we, you know, we're always here to listen. So yeah, absolutely. Though we aren't professionals. You know, we are absolutely not professionals sure, at much but, of anything. Right. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're, let's go ahead and move on to something a little bit more game related. Uh, we're going to do the episode a little bit different this week. Not terribly so, but our, our main topic today is going to be the news and new releases that were announced over the last few weeks that we've been out. 
Because there's some big ones, like things that we would have covered piecemeal as news and new releases in an individual episode. And rather than try to do one huge news and new releases section and then also a main topic, we'll just make the news and new releases our main topic. But uh, we do have a couple of things to talk about as far as events. Uh, So, uh, Dennis, you actually got to attend your first tournament in a long time. Yeah. Last weekend? Yeah, uh, I'll do two things. One, first, before I get to that, I'll say um, the Lone Star Open 206 or 256 player tournament is it this weekend in Dallas. Um, if you're not going or if you don't have a ticket, you're probably not going, unfortunately, because they had list submissions due two days ago from this recording. Um, but it's turning out to look like a big, big event. Um, I might try and swing by there just to look around and see how it looks. Um, so that's pretty exciting because Frontline Gaming's big into it. Um, Jason Horn is going to be one of the judges. He's one of our, our friends from Iron Halo, and it it looks like a big deal. So I'm excited about that, and hopefully next year I can go because um, it does another weird format of doing a Friday-Saturday tournament where then they take the top eight for Sunday for a single elimination thing to try and find out who the winner is Mm -hmm. um but it still seems exciting i kind of wish it was saturday sunday but i understand they did that so they could have the friday saturday so they could have the quick thing on sunday um well eight person tournament isn't that quick but you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but no so my friendly local game store um they do a second saturday of the month um tournament there but they have I'm using air quotes here, limited space. Um, and so I was late to the signups for it because they do signups ahead of time. And apparently it fills up really fast. And so I didn't get in. Well, that morning, <laughs> the TO who added me to a wait list said, hey, uh, we had a drop. Do you think you could make it? I said, sure. And so that was about 8 a.m. and the tournament started at 10 <laughs> So it was a, a – luckily, I kind of had a couple list ideas planned, but it was a rush to try and get that all packed, get it all prepped and together. But I'm very glad I did. And, yeah, just going there – and I said air quotes – but the tournament was 16 people. So to me, that's that's a good size for a local tournament. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, the place has even more room for more tables, but they were being used up for Marvel. Um, so, I mean – Gaming is happening, and that's exciting to me. As for the tournament itself, it was interesting because I know we, we've we seen the KC meta a long time ago and how each store had its own different meta, so to speak. And then when you went to tournaments, they had their own meta. Um, down here, there's a ton of Eldar. It's kind of strange because Eldar, really, I didn't see a lot of back where we were. Um yeah, between the flavors of Eldar, uh, Dark Eldar, Harlequins, just I'd say that was about half the people there. Um, <laughs> of which it was so good getting into a tournament and learning, because doing something is the best teacher. Experience is the best mm-hmm. way to learn. And right. uh, some things that we've even talked about here, I, I am now questioning slightly, because know how we always like poo pooed morale? No, morale can be a thing, and it can be bad. And the game really encourages you to take um, small unit sizes. Because I took Banshees. I took them in squads of 10, because I'm like, I really like Banshees. I'm going to get these in there. And the way the blast rules work, as soon as my squad hits 6, 
suddenly it's not it's automatically three and that ended up hurting because all the i played harlequins my first round all the haywire cannons got lots of shots then and that just was painful um so i learned that i also learned that the way morale is set up like banshees only have a um eight leadership so as soon as i lost three there's a chance i'm gonna fail the morale test um so like when i lost like five of them or six i i was failing my morale test because the dice were too high and um that's just bad because you automatically lose one and then if you're already under size strength a roll of one or two for each model they go away too it was devastating and so i got around it for the one i had a squad of 10 that got down to one survived and well there's no way I was going to pass that. I had nine die. So the only way I could was heroic morale. Here's where we learned there's a change of the heroic morale rules, which I didn't know about it, but my um, opponent pointed it out. And then it came up later, and the TO had to come over, and he didn't know about the change either. But in the newest um, rule book, or not rule book, the chapter approved, sorry, uh, you can now only use heroic morale once per battle. So once per game is the time you can use that as opposed to once per battle round. Um, so that's a huge change. So you can't just use command points to save a squad. You can do that. Well, you can once per game. Um, so just I want people to be aware of that. It is in, in the newest chapter approved. But yeah, I also forgot Harlequins just ignore the train and they were in my face so quickly. Uh. <laughs> And it was funny. The, my opponent said, I, I know what Banshees can do. I just have to get them off the board. Yeah, the Banshees did nothing because he got them off the board. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. No, it, he, he did surgical strikes on what he wanted dead. And, I mean, he was afraid of the jet bikes because they could put out lots of shots. And I did some major damage to his vehicles and took out um, some of his jet bike squads. But it was just too little too late by the time his troops all got out of the vehicles and started hacking and slashing me. The other rule that I didn't realize is um, if you're trying to hide a character behind a squad, the squad has to have at least three members. Yes. I'd probably forgotten that or it never came up because there was one time where I had two Banshees, one Banshee and a character. And well, none of those two Banshee squads could, protect the character <laughs> thus <laughs> so I mean, that's it's going to be a give and take do you because bigger squads when you take losses can still protect characters but bigger squads are going to get hit more with blast weapons and have morale issues while the smaller squads i mean if you had a five squad five model squad it's i mean three models is enough to trigger a morale test for most people but if you're down to two models that squad is almost dead anyway yeah, yeah. It, this is an addition that is very friendly to MSU, although it does tend to swing one of two ways. You either have everything MSU or you'll have like what we see with like Sisters and uh, Mechanicus where you'll have squads that can blob up to like 20 and you'll have tricks to make them as survivable as possible. Because yeah. like that's one of the things going on with Mechanicus right now is like Lucius Mechanicus can have one of those blobs of 20 Skatari and effectively give them a two-up save. And they just shrug off tons of firepower. And then if they do manage 
to get down to enough where they might lose, you know, you know, they might fail a morale check. You do that once per battle, which I just double checked. It was in the ninth edition core book, so it's just a line we totally missed on that stratagem. Well, not just us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, and so then, yeah, my second game was against Necrons, and I finally got to see the Silent King in action. Um, he's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, the, uh, the stalkers, are they the Triarch stalkers or something like that? They look very scary, but they died really quick to focus fire. Um, that's the game that I had that went back and forth. And the funny part was he tied up one of my jet bikes with some immortals and that group just kind of just stayed locked in combat forever because neither one could do anything to the other one. And neither one of us wanted to fall back to get shot at. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but that that was a lot of fun to just because even though I enjoyed the Harlequin one, I learned a lot. That one I felt like I was more in the game, and it is more fun when you're in the game. Um, I think I had a chance at winning, but that one could have gone either way, and it just didn't go my way. So then, in the final one, I got to play against um, twelve. Chaos Demon Engines. And my army was not prepared. I did not have enough high-strength weapons. I'll just put it that way. And, and the guy was like, yeah, all these people just bring high strength, and that's why I'm down here in the, the losing. And I'm like, yeah, you'll probably do okay, because <laughs> I'm a lot of strength four and six. <laughs> and yeah, I I pretty much got obliterated, just because I, I, whenever I lose a save, because his were all high strength, it was all, can I make saves? But it was still enjoyable, and we got to I got to see new things because I mean, um, he had the tally man on there, and because his, everything was demon engine, he got tallied up really quick. <laughs> and by the way, I hate anything that doesn't need line of sight. That's I have a feeling that's going to become more prevalent with the way terrain is. Um, yeah, and there's been a lot of push to to make you know showing like how terrain is set, going to be set up at particular events and what uh, like what rules definitions each piece of terrain will have. Show Me Showdown had a particular uh, configuration that they used. Um, I know you shared the packet for the Lone Star Open, which had uh, like showed like three or four different table designs and like here's all the rules that each piece of terrain will have. Terrain's a and big part of the game now. Wave, I mean, oh. more than just having line of sight blockers like it used to be. What? It is, and I really like that. Yeah, that it's really good because terrain. The lack of good terrain rules was, I think, my biggest problem with Eighth Edition. Yeah, although I, I will have to learn them all because there's now going to be tricks of if you're in the terrain feature, you can fire through it, but if you're not, you can't. And uh, I mean, it feels like it's going back to either sixth or seventh that had the not the toe-in rule, but as the models that are in the terrain mm-hmm. now they can actually. So it's going to, you're going to probably find players that know the rules well enough about the train to, I don't say manipulate them, but to use them to their advantage. I'll I'll say it that way. Um, But that's where I get into one other way around that is just use guns that do not require line of sight. And whenever I face those, it just hurt because you can't hide. Right. Made me sad. (laughs) But all in all. I was gonna say, there's okay. also been concerns about terrain having, like, being too crowded for some armies. Like anybody using knights has a trouble, can have trouble maneuvering through some areas of the board. 
Because I could see that because even on these, the boards were pretty much very, very similar, but there would be spots that a knight, unless he walked sideways, would not be able to get through the terrain features. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so it's like that probably is a concern. Yeah. And it's, you know, not, but if you have it too open, then armies that like are gun line or f- focused primarily on shooting have an easier go of it and assault armies suffer. So there's, there's a fine balance. And now that we're starting to get more large events going, we're finally starting to see how that's all shaking yeah. out. And, and truthfully, I did not see a single night. And from talking with people, it sounds like people don't play knights here. I mean, so I think one or two guys do, but they, they kind of have it as a secondary. They might have had it when knights were strong, and now that knights are not, they're, they're right. kind of on the shelf, so to speak. I say, all in all, it was just a lot of fun. And glad I went. I'm going to try and go again next month. And um, yeah, I, I went 0-3, and, and the funny part is, the, the award they gave me, even though it was just verbal, was they gave me the Wooden Spoon Award. So I joked saying, do I need to bring the iron spoon I wanted iron ha- or the wooden spoon I wanted iron halo to the next one? And the TO just laughed and said, sure. <laughs> uh, so just, ju- just cut notches on it for each one you were. <laughs> I can, I can 3D print you a well, wooden spoon then, if you want. <laughs> I still have my one from iron halo. I carry that around proudly. It takes a lot of work to get one of those. Uh, you have to be good at being bad. Um. <laughs> Something we're very good at. (laughs) Yeah, but you have to be the best. The best at being the worst. (laughs) Uh, But that was the other question I posed to them, and it sounds like there's a lot of people from Dallas heading up to the Iron Halo, which made me happy because, I mean, going with you guys would be my first choice, but since none of you are going but me, um, I'm going to see if I can like go with some of the people from Dallas, and that'll hopefully save costs and Mm -hmm. whatnot. And then maybe next year we can all go again, right? Sure, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Like, would it'll depend on like once life settles down to a dull roar. <laughs> no, under I completely understand. <laughs> but I, I will say for that, it was so much fun actually playing again for the first time, and just getting that experience of one, I like playing, but two, playing against new people because you learn more against playing armies you don't see often. Or playing as new people who have new ideas and new strategies. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. As far as uh, other events going on, we have an announcement to make. It's something we've that, well, more Kevin has been putting the work in on this along with the team that is going to be taking over the event. But the Midwest Conquest is on for 2022. Yay. Yes, it is. We, we officially signed the contract this week. Um, it is going to be Memorial Day weekend, um, so the same same time. Uh, we are in a different location. We are going to be at Stony Creek Hotel in Kansas City, Missouri. We'll have all the information posted up on the Midwest Conquest website and uh, linked to the hotel block and everything. This is a much nicer hotel. We've got more space uh, for the events that we want to run. And I think, best of all, the room rate is much better than it was at uh, the downtown hotel because it's it's not a downtown hotel. So I'm excited for this. Uh, The heroic morale people and peculiar games and hobby are kind of taking the lead on setting the event up and and running the individual events. They are super excited. They wanted to continue 
the event. They wanted to help us out with it. So, you know, we're still going to be involved. We're still going to be there. We're still going to be covering the event, but they are kind of taking the torch, taking the lead on running and getting the logistics of it down. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited to have it back. Um, and then we're working on trying to lock in future dates as well, hopefully to stay on that Memorial Day weekend uh, going forward. Yeah, we, we managed to land our own location. And because we're no longer partnered with another convention, one of the things we, we had to do in the past was support like the board yep. gaming and role-playing portion of gaming for that convention, which took up, what, about, say about a yeah. third of the space yeah. we could use? So, you know, we don't, we no longer have that requirement. We no longer have kind of the weird badge policy we had where you have to buy a con badge and then an event badge. Like this is, this streamlines a lot of it. It's just our event. We can kind of control what, what events we have. If there's interest for events, you know, we'll have the ability to like people to submit, you know, ideas for events, things like that. But like we, you know, we can limit it down to just the events that we want to hold this and the events that we want, you know, that we have people that are willing to run. So more, more dedicated room for 40 K more dedicated room for uh bolt action, age of Sigmar, you know, whatever other events we decide to hold with space to grow going forward. we can actually have vendors on site. We can have paint, paint and takes on site, food on site, you know, alcohol on site. So I think it's going to be a much, <laughs> much better venue for what we're trying to do with our event uh, as we continue to grow it. So. Also, something else we'll be able to have on site that we could not have in that previous location, streaming. So uh, we'll actually be able to stream the top yep. table games that weekend rather than being you know stuck in a basement with no internet connectivity yeah. and just like kind of missing out on that aspect of communicating. Yeah, exactly. Hockey. So uh, lot lots of lots of exciting things happening. Uh, lots of details still yet to come as we have to figure out and get the website updated and, you know, figure out when tickets are going to go on sale. But um, I think right now we're initially limiting it to 80 people for the 40 K championship event. Um, that may expand as we go along and if things sell out fast, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll all have more detail as it comes through, as it comes together. But uh, we are officially back and I'm, I'm personally excited to, to get the event going again. I'm yeah, excited maybe. hearing about it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited and I'm also glad to not be the one organizing and running it. Not that I didn't enjoy doing it, but it was a lot to to handle. And having a team that is especially as as we all got more geographically disparate, right. it got harder yeah. and harder <laughs> to do. So having a team that is there, local, passionate about doing it. Um, and where we can provide assistance and our back knowledge and things like that, it's it's the best of both worlds. We get to see the event continue, but we also get to make sure that it's in hands of people who have the have the bandwidth and energy to to keep doing it exactly. As well. So uh, I'm just so, yeah. So Rob, I, I think this is where we should tip our hats to all of the event coordinators that run large events because oh, as as we know in the past, it's it's a ton of work. So oh, guys yeah, out there everywhere, thank you for setting those up for us. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That I mean, we we've we've been we've been behind the curtain. We know the kind of stuff <laughs> to that goes to go through. 
it is it is not easy, but it can be very fulfilling when it goes off. Uh, speaking of other large events, um, this is a PSA that came across the ITC uh, tournament organizers group that uh, uh, Mike Brandt wanted to share for other communities. Um, as far as the Games Workshop Warhammer Opens coming this later this year, um, the New Orleans Open is sold out on both Age of Sigmar and. Uh, 40k and has a wait list. The Orlando nice. event uh, is sold out for 40k with a hefty wait list, but Age of Sigmar, as of Wednesday, had about 20 spots left. Austin, the one that you got your ticket for, Dennis, is yeah. sold out with wait lists larger than both the 40k and Sigmar events, respectively. Ooh, that does not surprise me at all. So they are investigating whether they can add any space. So they might I mean, be able to expand those events to, like, full-on, like, you know, super major size. But, when I was watching in the website as things were going on, I was like, Austin was the first one to sell out. I mean, it didn't sell out within an hour, but, I mean, within a few hours, it was already gone. Oh, yeah. But the others took, like, a half day to a few days, because I think New Orleans took a few days <laughs> to sell out. Um, but it also makes sense to me, because Texas is very centrally located especially compared to the other two for the states and anyone from california would probably be picking yep. texas um and from what i've seen from just playing around texas has a very strong competitive scene too oh it absolutely um, does so there's probably a ton of locals and there's even some that said they tried and they couldn't get in um so i, I feel like i am very fortunate for being one of the ones that was able to make it nice I mean, you're talking about an area that can uh, support, you know, you know, Lone Star Open and this and, and plenty of other events as well. Because didn't they have the Dallas GT back in April? Yes. Yeah. So Which I need to try and go to next year, too. <laughs> yeah. There's no lack of events going on in that area. And so, yeah, there's absolutely an audience. And as you said, the most centrally located of the, the three Opens. Well, and uh, also... Kevin, you you had some interesting input on why they probably moved the, yeah. uh, the finals back to Grapevine, Texas for the at yeah. The Warhammer so Seattle. I was in uh, I was in LA this uh, for a Fourth of July weekend um, for a soccer match, and uh, you know I was like, well, I'm here in LA for the weekend. I will swing by the Warhammer uh, store, you know, Citadel Cafe in LA, just to get a feel for it and see like what's going on. Um, I will say this very cool store, lots of great stock. It was Dominion release day, so everything was kind of focused on Age of Sigmar. But there was, you know, the staff was great, the the facility itself was great, great location, plenty of parking. You know, I that was all great. The only downside that I saw was um, they only had space for two tables set up in the store. <laughs> Yeah, they had, they had, so they had, when you walk in, there's the, um, you know, the store area with all the stuff and they had all the forge world on the, you know, on the back wall and and that they, they also, also had a, a a cash register issue. So the register was down for a while. So the line kind of backed up, but you know, that, that happens. So they had that area and then they had the cafe, which the cafe looked cool, but because of it being dominion release day and, you know, the register issues and stuff, they weren't really staffing it. They were like, we were trying to get people, you know, taken care of, which was fine. But yeah, I walked back into the, like where the game room is and it's literally just two tables, like two full size tables, but that was okay. it. That yeah, surprises and they, me. 
they could probably have probably shifted around and add a third table, but that's it. Like they could not run an eight person event, at least under its current configuration. So I'm I'm pretty sure that's why they end up moving the 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 final to uh to Grapevine because Grapevine. there's just not room because <laughs> Grapevine's the exact opposite. Um, I mean the storefront is half to a third mm-hmm. of the space. And then the back is probably the other half to, I don't say two thirds because it's not that big, but it's at least half the space in the back where they have plenty of tables. They have a couple couches and all the little bars you can sit at, or like railings you can sit to put your food mm-hmm. from the cafe. Um, the problem with the grapevine one is it has, I think four, maybe five, I think four parking spots. Right. <laughs> so you definitely have to go to the public parking and then walk there. Um, but no, I guess that that's just weird that you'd have the Citadel not having that. Yeah, I, I thought it was very odd. Like it, it's it's definitely more than just a regular Warhammer store. Like and you know, and I thought it was very neat to go there. But yeah, like from from that aspect of it, I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of just like my local Warhammer store, where it's like ah, a couple tables to demo and do things, and then you know, the, the neat thing for them is the cafe, and then the larger selection with all the forge world stuff so i don't know i thought it was neat I, I, it was it was a good opportunity to go see it i would love at some point to get to grapevine to compare but obviously the well the you could always yeah, come for this I mean, event no, that's, that, yeah maybe <laughs> the, the nice thing for me is that like la is closer so i will probably end up going back to the la one you know more often but you know i i it was it was worth the trek since I was already in town. I was like, well, you know, I'll go go visit it and see what it was. And uh, I thought it was very, I thought it was very neat. Um, I was just a little bit surprised by the the lack of table space. Right. No, that surprises me too. But the offer's still up. Any of you three want to come on down? Let me know, and we. Can I think legally, I'm not allowed. It's I, not I, I think legally, I'm not allowed in the state of Texas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, you do, I, allegedly in Minecraft, nothing. <laughs> now, I, I do want to check out the Citadel, although it still sounds like, at least gaming area-wise, it's a far cry from the uh, battle bunker they had in Memphis at their headquarters. Yeah. Oh, that, oh yeah, I love that space. That. But, and I only got to see that once, but... <laughs> it's probably akin to the gaming rooms you'd see in, like, a, like different set of, like, formation but the same amount of tables is like peculiar or any other the solid um local gaming stores that have like enough tables to run 16 mm-hmm. 32 people okay that's good so but I yeah mean, that still sounds it, like a that that's a way better yeah. than two <laughs> way yeah. better than two tape all right well with that let's move on over to listener mail uh, as always these letters are written by you the listeners and we will tell you how you can get your letter read on the air at the end of the segment uh, i do want to throw a, a little notice here um we did receive a few list reviews uh and we can take a look at those but i feel like especially with the changes to ninth edition and and now that we're really starting to play actual games and Dennis, I'm sure you can vouch for this. We need to re-examine how we would review lists for this edition. Yeah, because between um, unit sizes, leadership, and then secondary missions, because those are a big deal too, or secondary objectives. Sorry. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to think about that we haven't practiced. Right. So we're probably gonna put a hold on any list reviews 
for the time being. So if you sent one in, I apologize that we probably won't be covering it for a little while. until. And I'm going to work on getting some more games. Assuming I can fit it in with everything else going on this month, I'm going to start trying to get uh, just like little one-on-one games at a, a local store. So, um, so at, Gonna gonna try to get some experience under belt, but for right now we're just gonna focus on listener questions, like rules questions and things like that. Uh, so to start off, we've got two two bits of mail today. First one is from Matthew Jorgensen. Matthew writes, "Greetings, delineated belligerents." Oh, that's another good one. I like that. One. Uh, first things first. Thank you. I'm a newer player. I started in January 2021, and I spent several weeks lost as to what or how I should go about actually getting started. And it didn't help at all that I was building a kit for the first army I had settled on when I received some pretty terrible news, and the connection between the two drained away any interest I had in working on them. I probably wouldn't have stuck with it if it weren't for a friend of mine giving me a Plague Marine champion to paint and your episode about Death Guard. Amusingly, that same episode, you talked about the Paragon Warsuits, and it led me to picking up Sisters kits because of how striking they are to look at. Your collective enthusiasm for the game, and to a lesser degree, the faction, led me to immediately start building them. Just this past week, I cleared my first 2,000 points of painted models and then added a Mythetic Blight Hauler to it besides. Which leads me to my question. I've noticed that I actually get more hobbying done when I can bounce back and forth between two completely different projects. However, given the more elite nature of my slimy boys and the more... Horde nature, I guess, for sisters. I realize that I'll be out of Death Guard long before I even get to a thousand points of painted sisters. So, A, when do you personally decide it's time to put an army away in regards to the hobbying aspect? 3,000 points? 5,000? 10,000? Obviously, this doesn't count new models with new data sheets coming out, but do I really need 200 Plague Marines? No. Well, probably no. Two, and, and yes, that is A and two. I. I'm reading this verbatim. If when you hit that point, do you take a break from hobbying entirely and just focus on playing the game for a while, or do you start eyeing up a new army? Lastly, as a bonus, I would love it if you would give me a few options to consider for a third army. I've played games with both Death Guard and Sisters at this point, and I love the extremely durable nature of the Death Guard, and I love that Sisters is a thinking army that might be squishy, but lets you get away with some pretty ludicrous stuff if you're paying attention and playing smart. So maybe there's something in the middle of that? I don't know. I'm new here. As a bonus, I've attached a few pictures of my Death Guard. All the best. Happy Crusading, Matt. So, A2 and lastly. So, we're starting with A first. So, so he is very clearly a new listener. Um, so, he's not, he, is not, he is not familiar with our issues of calling it, of wrapping up an army. <laughs> well, to, to, uh, to be fair, I, I Eldar was the first army I was got into, and just this past week right. I bought more for it. Did I it? Probably not, but I wanted to flush right. out some of my Wraith Guard, uh, or Wraith Blades, actually. So, um, yeah, I don't know when it, I, I don't put an army away. I mean, I might put it on the shelf for a while and then sit there for a year or three, um, but I don't actually, like, get rid yeah. of it. It's just whichever army I feel like playing. And I mean, I've talked up Sisters so much this year, and then I didn't have Sisters ready for that tournament. I got out Eldar, and I'm like, oh, you are my first army. I love Eldar. <laughs> and 
And I mean, I, I'm back on an Eldar kick so bad right now. It's yeah. not funny. Yeah, see, that doesn't um, work for me. I look at my... I'm like, ah, oh, Tao, you're my first army. Get back in the box. Get back in the horde. <laughs> you're get not ready yet. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So, like, I, I, all of us, I think, from, to varying degrees, suffer from hobby ADHD, where it's like, oh, this looks shiny. Okay, I'll work on this for a bit. Oh, this looks shiny. I'll work on this for a little bit. And, like, to be fair, like... Matthew's plan of like working on two armies at a time and kind of alternating back and forth is way more like disciplined than anything any of us do. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like, not wrong. I, so, in my on my camera today, like well, I got uh, Kevin popped up like messages for like you know this this is a photo from you know ten years ago, eight years ago, five years ago, and the one that came up was my conversion for my Helldrake. Uh, to like make like the demon hell drake version that i'd been working on for a while it came up eight years ago i'm looking at it on my shelf and it is still not finished so like it not even built so <laughs> yeah <laughs> what kevin i'll toss the same thing there um he says he's got um 2000 points um done or painted this was about the same time i started working on sisters and i may right. have 500 points painted yeah <laughs> so that is a lot better discipline than yeah. we have. So uh, we're probably the wrong people to ask about that, but like I I bounce between projects with what I find interesting at the time and what I'm what I'm motivated to work on because uh, for me oh you have a tournament, tournament to paint, paint for. But for me like this is a hobby that's a hobby. Like it's fun and if I look at an army and I'm like I don't have I don't have any ideas on how to paint this or what I want to do with this. It will set until I have an idea or until I need to paint it. And I'll work on other stuff where I'm like, nope, this is, I have an idea for this. So I'll work on that. That's a bad way to work on things because it winds up having like 80 half finished projects, but that's, that's the way I deal with it. <laughs> You've got it down to right, 80 yeah. now. <laughs> it's rounding, you know, <laughs> Yeah, for me, I tend to I tend to bounce back and forth between projects. Usually, if I'm working on something, it is because, like, I don't pick a particular point level to determine I'm done. But it's usually like I've I've put together like I started off just like I bought a bunch of models and I'm going to paint them. Now I tend to be a little bit more strategic and and like look towards. I'm building a list. Do I have the pieces I need for a list? No, then I will buy the pieces I need for the list, paint those. I'm done with that. Then I will mm. move on to the next thing. Um, and then like bounce back, bet back and forth between projects. The problem is I have way too many disparate armies because I have, I have a bad case of like, I've, I've managed to keep it down to like five in 40 K, but then I have like, Three in Age of Sigmar. Keep in mind, I haven't played a game of Age of Sigmar yet. I picked up some Legion stuff this weekend. <laughs> I still have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 weak people. <laughs> well, I would say one of those three armies is technically Chaos Demons, which right. can do double duty. But yeah, so so yeah. Rob, you're saying that I need to take my Slanesh Chaos Demons and, and play that game of Age of Sigmar, so I can say, Hey, Rob, you have more armies than me, but I've played a game. <laughs> Yeah, it would be fair, and you should do it. You should absolutely do uh, that. Um, I will have to find someone who plays. I mean, I know people that play, just finding time and learning the rules. <laughs> but he goes like, you know, is is there a, a point level, or when like when do you personally decide? For me, it is just like, okay, I ha I built this army. I'm going to play this army for f at a few events, and while I'm playing that, I might in be starting to work on like the next project. Yeah. So like 
I was playing, like I painted up my town R and then played with Atlas for a while. And then while I was working on the tech, after that was done, I started working on some new stuff for my like, sisters. There's new stuff for my emperor's children, things like that. It's like, what's the next thing I want to play? Um, and do I do sometimes bounce back and forth. Like I was bouncing back and forth recently between like, I painted some stuff for my death guard and then I painted some stuff for my daughters of Cain for age of Sigmar. And then I finished the, uh, some of the stuff for daughters of Cain. And now I also have the complication that I do occasionally do projects for commission. So I'm getting ready to start on building and painting a bellicor for somebody. Um, so I'll be working on that, but I also have like, I'm looking at my painting table right now. I have, uh, daughters of Cain, like snake ladies, the, the Melusines. I have, Blightlord Terminators that I'm working on. I have a couple of Harold, like the name, like the Slobby Bile Piper and the Spoil Something Scrivener for Nurgle Demons. I've got Chaos Space Marine Possessed that are sitting on my table that have been there forever. I've got Tau Crisis Suit Commanders that I'm working on. Uh, it just like I have all these projects, and that doesn't include the rebasing of Sisters and building some of the new plastic stuff. Um, I've got a couple of night armatures to build. I've, you know, that are still in the box. I've got an entire blood angels army that is built, but not primed yet. It's like, I, I have a, a online tool that manages all these projects. And I, then I just have hobby ADHD of which one do I grab next? But you know, it's like, you need to be like Kevin and have your computer have the button say paint fake. Right. Just push it. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't it it sometimes doesn't help that we're on the preview program for Games Workshop, so they provide us with preview copies of things. They and occasionally those things include models. And uh that means I end up building and you know, having more models to build and paint. So I am yeah, over the last gets month little- due to cool models coming out for Kill Team. And we'll talk more about this in the hobby thing, but like models coming out for Kill Team, models that have been released for the Black Library stuff, and then like stuff that we've been given. I am slowly starting to accumulate a concerning amount of guard. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, guard problem answered. Thank you for falling on that grenade for us, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to, yes. but I think it's going to happen because. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, well, here, Kevin, no. if if you. If you want to like fall on the grenade and still make people upset with you, you can just keep on calling right. them Master Militarum. No, I'll come up with some. Uh, I'll come up with some other weird name to call them, just to, to irritate people. But yeah, it feels like that's probably going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, we're, I guess the the too long didn't read is we are all very bad at picking when to end an army. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat as Kevin, where I just have a whole lot of different projects kind of currently ongoing and I have a really bad habit of not finishing any of them. And I put down a project when I, uh, from bouncing back and forth between two when no, I get distracted by a third. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, yeah, if we hit that point, do we take a break from hobbying entirely and just focus on playing the game? No, we start right. eyeing up something new. We, we well, all of us do. And we're not saying that's playing, how you should be, but... <laughs> yeah, for me, playing the game is well, part of the hobby. I I mean, it's probably... People separate that out, but I tend to play more than I actually put together in paint, as you can hear of my not well, getting my sisters painted yet. So I, I kind of yeah. just do them and, both. And for me, it's been really hard, obviously, for the last 
year and a half, you know, normally like the option to like take a break and play a game and go to a tournament and do something, I didn't really, you know, that, that didn't really exist for a while. So I, I was kind of in that like, a little bit, I would say, hobby rut, where it's like, well, I can paint this, and then I can paint this, and I'm like, I'm tired of painting. What other options do I have? Well, I'm just probably not going to do anything for a little bit. So, it, yeah, it, in a normal situation, yes, I would, you know, I would work towards painting an army and then playing it, and then kind of recharge to work on the next project. But with with everything going on the last year and a half, that was that was a lot more difficult. Yeah, it's definitely the 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 last year and a half has been uh, been a situation where yeah you do kind of have to have hobbying as a substitute mm-hmm. for playing and yeah i think for a lot of us it's not so much that we would stop doing hobby and then just you know like get burned out or or like this army is done i shall play with i now i shall just play but also a lot of us do tend to build like like I said, you know, it's like this is a list that I'm building for a tournament. I will build the pieces I need for the tournament and then I will have this list and then I will play this for I usually would play a, an army for at least three or four events. And then do I need to change this up? Then I will buy and build the things I need to change that or now it's time for a new army or usually go back to an army I'd already been working on, like my Death Guard. I've had Death Guard models for a long time. Because I was running like a small detachment of them, like I had like some of the like I have some of the Forge World, marine, you know, Plague Marine bodies and such, and now Death Guard, you know, Death Guard have come out again. So now, like, I've added a lot of the newer stuff to it, and I like I finished building and painting Mortarian recently. So it's like I've got more than two thousand points of Plague Mar- of Death Guard. I don't know exactly how much I'd have to tally it all up, but like I'm not necessarily Thank- looking. At thankfully, this as- Rob, they have a tally man for that. They, they do, and I have one, and he's painted and done. But it's like, so, like, I played Death Guard at a tournament about a month or so ago, which, and that now I'm like, okay, so what worked in that? What didn't? What would I change up? And then Blightlord Terminators came back in stock. I'm like, okay, Blightlord Terminators are actually a really good choice, and I can adjust my list and, like, take this thing out and put this thing, put them in, and now I'm like, okay, so I'm working on those and getting those done. And once I have those built and painted, I'll probably, like, I've got a few other Death Guard models that still need to be painted, mostly other, like, the Fetid Virian, you know, character models. And, like, I've got some some Plague Marines to finish up, but I've got enough stuff painted. It's like, I could choose not, once I get, like, these White Lord Terminators, I could just play this list for a while and then get back to those Plague Marines, you know, whenever. When I, you know, if I ever have a lull in the other things I'm working on, good luck on that. But yeah, it's like I tend to go with this, the, like I'm building this to build a particular army. Once it's done, that's when I move on to the next, start planning the next thing and spend my time playing if playing is an option. Uh, his last one, a uh, few options to consider for a third army. Uh, you want something that's not quite Death Guard resilient and not quite squishy, but rewards extremely smart play like Sisters. Have you considered orcs? Because they're coming. Yeah. That's a thought. My first thought also jumped to, like, Mm -hmm. Harlequins, because they're a few numbers, so that should match up with whatever's left in the Death Guard, and you do have to play them smart. And they're squishy, but not really? I mean... Yeah, Harlequins would be a good middle. They're they're a little bit more of a pain to paint, to, you know, to get looking really sharp, but... 
Um, Harlequins are definitely an option if you want something fast. And Harlequins are good at playing the objective game, too. We're, we're all slowly becoming parodies of ourselves because I immediately jumped to Necrons. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought about Necrons. I'm like, nah, that's too far. That's too much it, on like the resilient. It, it is Death Guard. But I, I was I was Wait. thinking about it from the perspective of he's got an Imperial army, he's got a Chaos army, so like a Xenos army would make sense. Um, which is, I think, it all kind of went there because you want Orcs and and Harlequins. Necrons is an easy army. I just want to know how Harlequins well, I mean, is a parody. Look, <laughs> you're an Eldar player. Like, come on. Like, it's <laughs> of course you're going to suggest an Eldar army. <laughs> um, You'll note I did not suggest Tau oh, because right. I want him yeah, to like. Yeah, you want people to continue playing the game. That that's fair. But uh, uh, <laughs> but Necrons is one of those where like they are very resilient. So they are kind. They're not as resilient as Death Guard, but they are pretty resilient, and they have a lot of neat tr- uh, tricks with the new Codex. And also the models are pretty easy to get right now. Um, and there's a lot of like there's a lot of ways to get lots of them pretty cheaply. So. But there may be that same thing with orcs with all the new stuff coming out with them, too. So that's also fair. Yeah. 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 So I, th- those are all good options. Uh, yeah. I And, and I, I like the idea, Kevin, of, of picking a Xenos army to, you know, because like you said, you've got one Imperium, one Chaos. Having a Xenos army get, you know, will hit a neat, you know, you won't overlap with either of those. So you can kind of play them all separately. And, and there's a lot of different flavors. But like right now... Uh, orcs are probably, you know, they've got the next codex coming out and we'll be talking about that in the main segment. Um, so it would be a decent time to get in on them and they're, they're, they're definitely hordish, but they reward straightforward play yeah, because <laughs> that's what they yeah. do. And, Cause otherwise it's like, yeah, Harlequins have proven to be pretty decent in the new edition. Craft world Eldar need some work. Uh, they, they need a, a codex that's adjusted to ninth edition. Tau have the same problem. Gene Steeler well, cults have also the same problem. Eldar Nids are have squishy. the same problem. Oh yeah. Eldar are very squishy. They're, they're sister's level of squishy. So yeah. Necrons, orcs, Harlequins, probably all pretty decent choices. My money would be on orcs just because they're the next new thing. And if codex trends are proving true, something completely overpowered will slip through and orcs will dominate everything <laughs> for a couple of months. Cause oh, be Drukari got toned down. They're still really good, but the FAQ toned them down and now Mechanicus is running rough shot over everything. So that's what I'm hearing. I'm just yes. sad. Orcs are now rather than October rather than Orktober. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shame on you, but also no shame. So, all right. Now, moving on to our second letter. This one's from Janet Wicks, and Janet writes Hi, I've recently discovered your podcast, and I just love it. You're able to talk about tournaments, but not be hyper competitive, which is just great, as I'm very much of a casual player in a competitive meta, and I'm always excited about anything new GW puts on these days or puts out these days. But wasn't there a question in here somewhere? Uh, I understand if you don't want to read it on the podcast, but I would love to hear your answer as a person who's been to a lot of big events around the country. And also, much appreciated that you put your pronouns on your Twitter. Uh, What barriers do you think exist for women getting into the hobby? There's not very many at all, and clearly there is a reason for this. Uh, For my background, I've been playing for over 20 years, and I'm a trans woman who transitioned three years ago and stayed in the hobby. The gaming scene has been surprisingly pleasant in my transition in the less-than-welcoming part of California where I live. 
have. But I've gotten a lot of people asking me if my boyfriend got me into the game or people who I taught to paint trying to explain painting methods to me as though I had never done it before, as well as the typical uncomfortable stares and way too friendly gamers following me around. Obviously, I was already invested in the hobby and a bit of a Warhammer veteran, so my experience is much different than someone entering into the hobby new. What problems do you see for women in the hobby, and how do you think... And what do you think we can do to make it a more pleasant experience? Bathing being an all-important number one. Thank you for so. Thank you so much, and I hope it wasn't too much, Janet W. So first off, I'm. I, I do think there's some mm-hmm. stuff we can talk about here, but I do want to put this forward, and it's something we've actually addressed in a past episode, uh, in episode 147, and a couple of episodes before that. Uh, we put out a call uh, to women in the hobby to talk about their experiences. And, uh, we, we got some letters from like Amanda from the W from the Warhammer 40 K couple who they've since retired from doing uh, content, but we got uh, like a letter from her and we had an interview with uh, Shailen Allen West, who at the time was like one of the top ranked gray Knights players. I think the highest ranked, uh, one player in the, in the country at the time. And the reason I, I, I bring that up, and why I don't want to necessarily step into the minefield of us explaining what women can, like, what issues women have is because the four of us are cis white guys. <laughs> we are not, like, we're, we're, we're all cis males. So we don't experience the, bo- the barriers that women may experience getting into the hobby and dealing with things in the Warhammer K 40 K environment. So asking us, we can't provide that information because that's nothing. Right. We've never had to deal with it, but that's why we put out a call to women to hear their own voices and explain like, what did have you experienced and what kinds of things do you, what do you think people could do to make things more welcoming and make, make things, you know, to be better accepted by the community. So oh, Rob, I'll, I'll toss this out. You might've been going there as well, but you said 147. Yep. That was how many years ago? Well, uh, granted, it, it's it's a may, little. Maybe it's it's like 90, 94 episodes ago, which is about th- yeah. three to four years, admittedly. So maybe it's time to put out another call. I, I think it absolutely is. Um, I will say there are some some people that definitely come to mind that I think could could bring a lot to this conversation. Uh, I did mention Shailen Allen West. She actually has a a podcast now called In the Finest Hour. Uh, that they've been, she's been doing for, I think they're like on episode like 96 or so. So they've been, she's been going for a while. Uh, and like most recent episode just came out like last week or so. So I mean, it's like she's still very active. There's, uh, Tanya Gates, aka the War Mistress. Uh, she had a podcast. She was, she's like, she went on hiatus, uh, about a couple of months ago to kind of like re examine things, but she's like, she started Twitch streaming again. She's, so she said she's, she's back. Um, but she's written articles for Goonhammer. She had a podcast called uh, Be Nice, Roll Dice. And uh, she she's like a big guard player. So uh, there's uh, like other people like Angela from Hobby Nights. There's a number of like really active women on that post regularly on Instagram. Like was it with yeah. Warp Storm? That's one you've actually yeah, uh, you've met and played with her. Yeah, she's, in, she's uh, great. LVO, she's a great right? uh, um, uh, sisters player, great painter. Very competitive players, like plays in a lot of tournaments. Uh, she just posted that she was TOing some tournaments this past past weekend. So there's there's stuff from that. Yeah, she's she's a great follow. 
There's another one that's great. Uh, Warhammer Princess on Instagram. She's not been active recently, but she did a whole series over the last, basically during COVID, um, that was called uh, Lady Hammer, where she basically just did Instagram live interviews with other women in the hobby. And all of them were fantastic and insightful to listen to. So, like, even though she's not really posting, creating new new content right now, all of that is still available to go listen to and, and get different perspectives and find out what what attracts people into the hobby and what what restrictions and, and barriers they run into. So I, I think all of that is very, very instructive as well. Oh, absolutely. And also, I, I mentioned uh, uh, Tanya Gates. Uh, she recently did an interview uh, with Jim Vessel. It was her and Jen Aspden uh, being interviewed and having a conversation with Jim Vessel. And it was specifically about, like, uh, they call the video Sexism and Simping. And talking about, you know, kind of the the issues that they've had uh, dealing with either people being sexist and dismissive in the hobby or also people being kind of creepily hanging on and, like, being unnecessarily yeah. super fan. And, like, and those are, like, a, a couple of extremes that are not good. And they're also clear, like, this is... Like, these are their experiences. So, also, like, talking about these are the things we can do for women. It, women are not a monolithic block either. Some women will have different experiences getting into the hobby than others. But they do have, a like, an hour and 20-minute conversation. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, it, but it's addressing, like, this very, very issue. And like I said, you can go back and listen to our interview with Shaylin in episode 147. She talks about a few things. And... So, like, I can't necessarily speak to the individual barriers, but I can talk about, like, some of the behaviors mm -hmm. that Janet points out, um, because those are things that we can address. Because this is somebody who's saying, I've seen these behaviors and they're off-putting. So these are things we can actually directly address. Um, first off, never assume that somebody's there because their partner's dragging them along or right. got them into the game. I mean, this gets back to last episode and the player code. <laughs> like, treat your opponent with respect. And and just saying, like, oh, are you here because your boyfriend is really dismissive. Like, it, it's basically acting like somebody has, has no agency, no interest of their own. They're just here to tag along. You wouldn't feel... Like, how weird would it be? And and this is like... Kevin, you, and, you were actually right. in town, and you and I were talking about this last night. And it... It comes right. down to the golden yeah, just rule. Don't don't be assholes to people. Like that's that's the big thing. It's like just assume that people's interest is genuine. Like always assume that like they're there for the same reasons you are. Because again, like they're showing up to a 40k event. They have a fully painted army that they've spent hundreds of hours and quite frankly, probably thousands of dollars working on. Like they're there for the same interest that you are. Like don't I don't under you know don't dismiss that. That's not. Yeah, like, in, in general, and that's of anybody when you're at an event. Like, don't assume that, oh, you're a new player because you brought this armor. Like, just assume that they're there to have fun like you are and treat them with that respect. Uh, uh, it's frustrating when that doesn't happen at events. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like, how would you feel if somebody said, oh, yeah, you're not really interested in it. You're just, you're just here because, like, you know somebody else brought you along. It's like, yeah, it'd be kind of shitty to do to somebody else or, you know, for somebody else to do it to you. Why would you go and, and turn it around on someone else or, or the dismissing somebody is that it's like, you don't know how, how to paint here. Let me show you like 
you know, mansplaining painting techniques. I will point out some of the a lot, not not just some, a lot of the best competitive painters out yeah. there have been women. Yeah, and so like assuming that assuming that somebody doesn't know how to paint a model because of their gender is you know, it's reductive, it's stupidly assumptive, and it's also generally flat out plain wrong. But yeah, I mean, again, it's like you wouldn't do like would you do that same behavior to uh, you know another guy no you probably wouldn't so don't do it to them <laughs> you know to to a woman just because they're a woman now if they're like if they're asking questions and and like oh how'd you do that you know yeah. it's like then it's fine and a lot of that comes down to another thing we mentioned in our last episode read right. the room know when stuff is appropriate yeah yeah also, don't don't be creepy super fans and, and be too friendly because you're wanting some some uh, feminine attention. Yeah, that's just gross, dude. Forty forty k event is not a pickup haul. So I and I will I will say this, and I there there is obviously always bad actors in any community that are just you know bad actors and are going to behave a certain way. In most cases. People like if if you you know and granted most people should have the self so, the social awareness of like knowing that these things are weird or creepy or whatever but if most people if you let them know that like hey what you just said is dismissive and you know please don't say that or, or think about it this way most people will correct that behavior at an event because they're like oh shoot I'm sorry I didn't mean to you know I didn't think of it that way so sometimes yeah and it's not and it's absolutely not your responsibility to correct people's behavior so I'm not saying that but. In most cases, most people, if it's pointed out or like it's known, let them know that like, hey, don't say that or don't do this. Most people will stop and most people will like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was, you know, the way I, the, what I was doing was wrong. So I, I do, cause I do genuinely think this is a good hobby with good people in it. Uh, otherwise I wouldn't spend as much time and energy as I do in it. So I think a lot of people, if they're just made aware, they will like make those changes. Um, and part of that is as like if you're a TO or somebody running an event, it's kind of incumbent on you to make sure that you take that feedback into account, that you're reaching out to the women at your event or anybody, you know, all the people at your event, but specifically like some of the women like that at your event to get their feedback and find out what you can do better to make them, to make them comfortable, to make sure these issues aren't coming up. And then remind the people at your event of like the way to behave and the way to, you know, treat people and, and things like that. So these are all things that aren't, you know, aren't specifically, you know, directed towards women or anything like that. But like, these are things that just as a community, we can be better at. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just like, you, you know, we, we, you shouldn't necessarily be afraid to like call a judge over if there's a problem. You shouldn't be afraid to like contact a TO if somebody's like, yeah, and it's, it's not necessarily you have to bring up every, Every microaggression, because there are people that are just going to be unhelpful bores, and you'll just have to cope with that. But, like, you know, if somebody's actively being a problem, and you mention it to them, and they're not, they're, they're not changing, or worse, they, they might start doing it more on purpose just to get a rise out of you, yeah, you can contact a T, you know, to contact a TO, because there's a whole player's code of conduct, like, the ITC puts out and stuff like that is yeah. counter to the spirit of that. So like, you know, that's not cool either. And, you know, if it's something that's happening at a local, you know, outside of an environment, if it's happening in a local store, 
like you can bring it up to the the people behind the counter and if they don't seem to see what the problem is and they're making you feel unwelcome then you just don't yeah darken find this, another the store yeah <laughs> door of that sh- that shop yeah i mean there's there have been shops here in Kansas City that i won't mm-hmm. go to because of reputations that have been earned so now, fortunately, most of those stores tend to go out of business because they do tend to drive away players. Whereas the stores that tend to have a better rapport and a better player base thrive. So, uh, you know, again, it's one of these things. It's not it's not an across the board issue in that every like this is a bad situation everywhere. It can happen anywhere and it can happen within with any person. It's just a matter of. Like, if somebody calls you on behavior, and you shouldn't be afraid to call someone on, on behavior if it's being a problem, if someone calls you on behavior, like, yeah. stop, think, reevaluate what you're doing, and if you if you honestly didn't mean anything by it, be willing to say that and being will, you know, be willing to apologize or – and, like, other things you, you can – you should not do, like, for any player, regardless uh, of their situation, is, like, don't – like the biggest thing I see happening to a lot of, and again, this is not necessarily aimed solely at women, although I've seen it aimed at women online, is gatekeeping and the whole idea of you're just trying to ruin our hobby. You're just trying to come in and change everything. It's like, no, right. they're just wanting to participate. And, you know, there's been a lot, you know, last year, Games Workshop did the, you know, had their big Warhammers for Everyone announcement, which we all liked very much. And, you know, they've been doing their part by, you know, featuring, like, something we're going to talk about in our main segment is one of the things they're having for Warhammer Plus is masterclass painting tutorials. And one of the painters they have for that is Louise Sugden, who's, like, an excellent orc painter. And so, like, they've been trying to bring Mm -hmm. in more women voices uh, and, like, showing women doing so. Like, uh, in the most recent White Dwarf, uh, there's a like they're doing their tale of four warlords for Age of Sigmar, and one of the participants is a woman and is painting up this, painting up a pretty cool looking army. And I want to say it's a Slaves of Darkness army. It's one of the I think that's the one she's doing. But anyway, you know it's for Age of Sigmar. But yeah, you know, it's like they've been doing what they can. They've been putting out you know models that have a wider range of diversity and representation, like paint lines that include more skin tones, things like that. And I don't think it, we can't be genuine and say, well, that fixes the problem. No, that doesn't fix the problem because having, like, having armies that feature, you know, female models is good, but it's not necessarily that that was the barrier that was keeping women away. Although, you know, representation is good, but like, We've got three people here who have who have sisters armies talking. None of us are women, but we right. wanted to have sisters armies. Um, meanwhile, like Tanya Gates plays guard, and I've seen some. I've seen some of her her guard army online, and like she didn't do girly guard. She's a, like just a really cool looking kind of tr- you know traditional with some some conversion guard army. So it's like that's that's a good step, but the but. You can't fix this from yeah. a purely retail perspective. It has to come down to behavior, and the and the behavior is the people yeah, playing the a- game absolutely. and participating um, in the community. You know, GW can do can can make steps, and they can do things that help and and increase visibility and things like that, and kind of reduce some of the barriers. But ultimately, it's the players, and ultimately, at the end of the day, whether it's you know 
no matter who you're playing, treat them with respect. They're like, they're, this is a, unlike other things, this is a hobby that requires like time, investment, commitment. If you're playing against somebody at a, you know, across the table, they have put in probably the same or more time, energy, money, commitment that you have. So please give them that respect. Absolutely. But again, I, you know, and I, God, I don't want to sound like, like we've been mansplaining this, but also we aren't addressing any specific barriers outside of what Janet has particularly mentioned that she has, has, has dealt with or observed. Because again, it's like everybody's going to have a different experience. And, and if there's other, if there are other groups of people that, that experiencing same barriers that you'd like us to, to discuss or, or call out, you know, and talk about, please let us know. Uh, again, you know, we're putting the call out for anybody who wants to, you know, come on and talk about, you know, women in the hobby. If there's other, you know, other groups within the hobby that also face some of these barriers, please let us know. We'd love to go through and have those conversations and talk about it um, because we want everybody to feel welcome. Abs- yeah, absolutely. This is this this hobby is about pushing around little plastic soldiers on a table, and I don't think there should be anything right. that's particularly gender specific about that. So, if you want to write in on, to us on this subject, if you'd like to talk to us about this, if you'd like to have you know talk to us on the air, or if you have a letter about any other topic that's related to the to the game, although again, we are taking a hiatus on list reviews for right now until we can get some more ninth edition under our belts and be able to give you a better informed look at list construction. Um, there's three good ways to contact us. First off is our email addresses. Our email addresses are our first names at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We are at facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, you can like us there, follow us, and get updates on how things are going, our take on new releases, etc., etc. Uh, third is Twitter. We are twitter.com slash preferredenemies, singular. Uh, and uh, we take content and comments and questions from all those sources, throw them together, put them in the hopper, and get through as many as we can in a reasonable amount of time. Right now, apart from those list reviews, which we are putting on hold, uh, we are empty. So if you want to talk to us about this topic or any other, now is a great time to get your uh, letter in. Uh, second, we do have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. Uh, right now, uh, we're pretty much we, – we cover our hosting costs. We cover costs for, like, replacing equipment and such. But uh, as we are getting into convention season again and as more people are hopefully getting vaccinated, although right now, you know, there's been an upswell of Delta variant, so who knows how, who knows how that goes. But as events start opening up, we are going to start traveling again. And so um, the support from our listeners is one of the things that helps us be able to do that and uh, provide coverage to you from those events. Now, Obviously, if you're in a situation where either you don't have the funds to do it or if there are people in your area who can use those, you know, can use those funds, whether it be helping like food banks, unemployment, stuff like that, things that you can do to help your community, we far prefer you to put your money there. But after that, if you still have a little bit left over and you want to help support the show, our Patreon's at patreon.com slash preferred enemies. And it is an online tip jar. We don't lock any episodes behind a paywall. It's just there for people who want to support the show and help us cover the costs of putting this on for you. So, uh, and even if you just put in a dollar, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up and it really does help out. It's covered all it's helped cover our costs to continue doing this uh for the last several years so we really appreciate it so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break for sponsor identification and when we come back 
we're going to be talking about all the announcements that Games Workshop has made over the last three or four weeks and uh, what we think we can expect from those things. We'll see you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back. That means it's time for our main topic, which is catching up on all the news and new releases information from the last few weeks, because they have dropped some doozies. Um, one, the first one that we're going to cover, and this was, they released this, I think, like, right after we recorded our last episode. So it was just like, oh, the timing was so, we were so close, but we just missed it. And that was the announcement of what all Warhammer Plus was actually going to entail. Because if you remember when we, when they first announced Warhammer Plus, we're like, okay, that's great, but is there enough here to A, warrant an entire streaming service and B, to make it worth the money to actually, and we didn't know how much they were going to charge either, but we're like, how, how is this going to work? Because all we knew is like a dozen animations, not all of which were going to be ready for launch. And so, on uh, June 23rd, they gave us more details, and I have to say I did not expect some of the things they dropped with this. So, first off, with a, subs- with a subscription, we're just going to run down their list, a wealth of Warhammer animation, which we've seen some of the, you know, they've obviously had trailers and teasers for a lot of the animation. It looks good. Like, there's a lot of different styles, a lot of different stories. I'm excited for that. It's what's beyond that that I find very interesting. Weekly in-house Warhammer hobby shows. Digital vault of classic Warhammer publications and White Dwarf issues. 
full access to the Warhammer apps. That's the 40K and the Age of Sigmar app with more to come, they say. Premium access to our official events, exclusive subscriber offers, a free miniature worth at least 25 pounds a year, and access to a second exclusive subscriber miniature. Uh, it launches 25th of August and is $5.99 in US dollars a month or £4.99 in the UK or £49.99 or $59.99 US uh, for the annual subscription. And considering what they charge for just the apps, that's already a good deal. Right. But then they run down everything you get with it. So when they say an exclusive miniature, they are not messing around. Because, oh my lord, that Vindicare Assassin. Yeah, he's pretty sweet. Yeah. A Vindicare Assassin set up in, like, the remains of a, a metal statue of a sister battle with, like, Exodus rifle drawn and he's got a bead on somebody. I mean... I don't know if it's a really good play piece because it's so tall, but man, it's an awesome display piece. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> I actually have a hard time like deciding between because like the Vindicare Assassin is is such a cool looking model, but then the Age of Sigmar model is is actually a model I think I'd use more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the. Uh, I still don't know which one I'd pick. Yeah, that Iron Jaw Auric War Boss is pretty awesome looking. And I feel sorry for the poor Stormcast whose head he's holding in his hand. He, yeah. I mean, he's not feeling anything right now. <laughs> Probably not, no. These models are only the beginning. There'll be new exclusive miniatures each year, and you'll get one free for every year you stay subscribed. Have more on these on a later date, so stay tuned for more information. Obviously, there'll be some terms and conditions. We'll give you all the boring details when they launch in August. And uh, you can choose one of these models. Uh, it'll be shipped out to you around the one-year anniversary of your subscription. So basically, they've, re they've announced the models. You'll get them after your first year. So like August, next August is when you'd get them. And you can buy the other one as well. So, so Richard, you don't have to choose. You can Ooh. buy the other one. Okay. And I, I do remember somewhere in there they mentioned that there may be like perks or, or things to participate in to get models sooner. And I, I don't remember exactly where I saw that, but I do remember them kind of hinting that there was the possibility to, to not have to wait the full year. That's cool. Then getting into animation, uh, they are launching with the first episodes of Angels of Death and Hammer and Bolter, with new animations arriving almost every Wednesday. Pr almost every week, you're going to get a couple new episodes to watch of, of their animated series, and we know there's a at least a dozen series that they have at various stages of production, so it'll be interesting to see how they fill out a year with with all these series, and then we don't even know like what goes what happens beyond then. But uh, it sounds like they've got a year worth of animation queued up, so we'll finally get to see some of the stuff they've been working on. Obviously, there's some excitement for that, and then we get into the things that like okay, so how do you fill out the rest of the streaming service? Because again, two episodes of animation and it is not enough to justify even with the free manager is not enough to justify an entire subscription service. 
So now we get into some of the other sh- other shows they're dropping. There's the Citadel Color Masterclass, which is going to basically take the painting tutorials that they've been releasing on YouTube and take that to the next level. So they're going to be focusing on like more advanced techniques and f- like finer detail. Well, and the one thing they mentioned as well is that these are not going to replace the existing uh, YouTube tutorials that they release. Like they, these are advanced classes. Like they're still going to put out the free you know, basic painting tutorials, and then these are more advanced, which I, I like that. It gives it a kind of differentiates them than between the ones that they're putting out currently. Yes. And yeah, Louise Sugden is the is one of the artists who will be participating and uh, she's excited to be one one of their painting presenters for this. So and she does fantastic work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be you know, there's gonna be some really cool techniques being being taught and so yeah so a whole series of these and like you said they're not replacing the existing stuff so it's like do you want finer finer training subscribe to this service also we're getting a show called lore masters which is going to be their official lore show uh digging into the various worlds and characters of both warhammer universes so we're finally going to get some official deep dives into this outside of what's been written in black library so if you just want to sit back and, and kind of watch the history of, of these these various worlds they'll provide that as well on their streaming service in addition uh, battle reports for both age of sigmar and 40k i'll be curious to see how these pan out because how like we've seen in the past how gw does battle reports is, and plays games is not always the way competitive players play so i'm curious to see what they do but considering they're going to be playing on it looks like they're going to be leaning towards some like the higher end more thematic tables so they're going to be doing lots of like high spectacle battles that will be really cool maybe they'll have crusade parts in their battles too i would love to see that like a crusade series like want to see gorgeous armies locked in tournament style matchups so okay so they are going to do some tournament style play uh, ever wondered what the Crimson Fist's last stand on Rin's world or the battles surrounding the Ilarial's right of life would look like fought out in glorious miniature form? So they're going to do a bit of both. They're going to do, like, tournament-style competitive gaming and st- very narrative-based, uh, like, recreations of particular of events. And they might do some uh, crusade campaigning with that as well. Uh, the TV studio has been completely remodeled to allow for bigger and better games than ever before, so you can get close up and personal with the action. So, I, I've never been a big one to watch bat bat reps. I tend, to, I and I have this problem with like let's play episodes of anything. I tend to kind of z- you know zone out after a bit. So. I don't know if this necessarily appeals to me personally, but I'm sure there is absolutely an audience for this. Yeah, totally. Then the apps. Uh, so obviously right now, if you want to have access to the army builder for the 40 K app, you have to subscribe and there, and you also like, if you're using the army builder portion of the Azure app, which is now being retired and will be replaced with a new age of Sigmar app. Um, those have both been subscription services that you've handled through, or the Warhammer 40k app isn't the Azure app you have to handle through like whether it's you know like iTunes or you know some other subscription service for Android phones. Now, if you subscribe to Warhammer Plus, you get access to both apps. 
this is immediately a good deal because the Warhammer one's like three dollars a month. Like, or they should say the four. They're both Warhammer ones. The forty k one is <laughs> the forty k app is already three dollars a month. So for two dollars more, I get all this and the access to the other app. Yeah, that's yeah, that's already a great deal. Let's see. If you're already a Warhammer 40k app subscriber, as a way of saying thanks, if you upgrade your subscription to Warhammer to into a Warhammer Plus sub in the first month after its launch, you'll get your exclusive free model after nine months rather than twelve. That's how you do it. That's cool. That's what it was. Okay. So, since I'm already a subscriber, I will I would get my Vindicare three months early. And even better, as an existing 40k app subscriber, if you take out a full year subscription, you'll receive an additional free gift too, which is not mentioned which one it's going to be. But yeah, they're really trying to get people to to go ahead and take the plunge to Warhammer Plus. Again, if you're using the 40k app, at, there's no reason not to upgrade to Warhammer Plus, honestly, with all the extra stuff that's coming along. Well, that's the so, one reason if you don't want all the extra stuff yeah i mean <laughs> yeah I mean, if you don't if you absolutely don't want the stuff then bio and 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 if you have no interest in using the warhammer app not you know maybe this stuff doesn't appeal to you um and that's fine uh, that that's absolutely fine i don't think there's any you know that that's not a wrong choice in any way shape or form for me since i am already an app subscriber and i also have a subscription to the azure app this would make total sense rather than you know, pay $3 for each app or pay $6, get both apps and all the other stuff. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are not done yet. Uh, there's the Warhammer vault. Uh, one of the parts of Warhammer plus we're most excited about is the Warhammer vault. And as the name suggests, it's a veritable, veritable treasure trove of content from the history of Warhammer. Now, uh, they list some books, but I want to be clear here. There's a line they put here in this digital archive. You'll find lore sections from past publications and at launch you'll find titles such as the gathering storm and sanctus reach series letting you catch up on the major events that led up to the era indomitus so for example if you liked our gathering storm coverage you'll be able to reread it but they won't give you the seventh and eighth edition or like the seventh edition rules for it because it wouldn't be of any real use to people playing the edition they want people playing but you will get all the lore sections. So, like the examples they give are Hour of the Wolf, uh, the Dominant or the uh, Damocles Gulf, like the Montka and Kalyan books, uh, Gathering Storm. Also for Warhammer Age of Sigmar, the Realmgate Wars series, Malign Portents, Forbidden Power, all the stuff that led up to Third Edition. So they'll have the lore sections of those books available for reading, and then on top of that. Every white dwarf starting from 2020 onward will be available in the library as well. So if you don't, so it's basically also a digital white dwarf subscription with back catalog. <laughs> See, Rob, I'm waiting for your commentator voice to come out and say, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this, okay, this last part is actually the part that gives me the most pause because it's not very well defined. And I, kind of have concerns about it event extras for fans of official warhammer events your warhammer plus subscription is going to make you feel like a champion as each one at each one you attend even if you lose your games you'll get a warhammer plus experience including perks such as vip badges priority access and free merch i have concerns first off 
what events are going to be considered official Warhammer events. Obviously, the Warhammer opens, which are already sold out and won't be privy to this, I'm assuming. But also, like, will LVO, it's not an official Warhammer event, but they do have an official presence there. Will being a Warhammer Plus member get you, like, access into a special VIP area? Uh, when Adepticon and Nova Open start back up, will they get that kind of treatment? Yeah, my original thoughts were this would probably be only the Games Workshop run ones. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. also, on, like, US Open ones, there were normal tickets and VIP tickets. I'm wondering if this gives you, like, a discount for getting that VIP ticket being a member already. Right. The other part I have concern about is the priority access, because let's say you want to sign up for next year's Warhammer Open. Does somebody who has Warhammer Plus access get to buy their tickets before you do? Sounds that way to me. Which that I'm not as big a fan of. And I understand it's, you know, it's like GW trying to to attract people into this, uh, you know, into this program. And I again, I think like having a VIP swag bag when you show up at those events would be cool. Having you know, having extra stuff. I mean, con- conventions have been doing like very important gamer, very you know, or very important p- person bags and treatment, uh, quick access lines, things like that. Like, like you can pick up your badge faster if you if you are a mm-hmm. member of the system. But being able to buy your badges first. I, I don't know. But then again, on the flip side, I know LVO has done the thing where, like, if you attend as, like, they had, like, the high roller package where you buy the high roller package this year and you get, like, a day earlier access next year. Yeah. So I, it's not that different than that. I'm not super worried about it because I do think that this is a pretty common practice for for big events. And I, I think about it, for example, as... Uh, there's a couple bands that I that I'm a member of their official fan club for, and whenever they go on tour, I get access to presale before they go to go to the public. And it's not it's not like every ticket in the stadium is available and can be bought up in this presale. It's like, hey, there's a section of presale tickets that are available, and then if they're not used, they just go into the main the main pool. So, I again, it's poorly defined. So I don't you know I don't want to be like this is exactly how they're going to do it because I don't know. If they follow industry standards for these types of things, they would put a subset of tickets available for people who want to purchase them. And then, you know, and then the general tickets will still be available to everyone else. So you won't, it won't be a scenario where if you don't subscribe to Warhammer Plus, you can't get tickets to these events. Um, I, I, cause I don't think they want that either. Right. Yeah. It's just, like I said, it, it's, it's vaguely, defined and so i just i i have some concerns but as long as it's handled in a way that doesn't cut everyone else out i'm fine with that the other reading between the lines and is pure speculation does this mean there's going to be more than three gw sponsored events that yeah, yeah i was wondering that as well it's like there's strong incentive for there to be more than three events localized in the uh u.s south yeah exactly and i know they've talked about having like obviously uh you know, Europe and England would eventually get their own, you know, Warhammer open events. But like, I would hope that that would mean more events outside of just these three big tournaments. I want them to bring Games Day back, an event that is not so much about competitive play as much as just about celebrating all aspects of the hobby. And that, like, having 
premier access to that would be really cool. Like, you know, being able to to get in through a separate line or get access to tickets first to attend it. Like, I would absolutely be down for that. It's just, uh, I don't know if three events stateside makes this particularly worth it. And I, and also like, I'm curious to see if they work in concert with like, like I said, like Las Vegas open or the other super major events in the United States to the, where they actually do show up and have an official presence to have like a VIP area. It's like, if you have like, Hey, this, you can sign up for like, we have painting classes and the first one each day, like painting classes with Chris Peach or Louise Hugden. And the first one each day is VIP members only. Like you get access to, to buying passes for that first. That I think is, would be kind of cool or like, Hey, there's a special VIP members lounge where you can hang out in the like members Mm -hmm. of the, the, the Warhammer staff might, you know, will be there hanging out. You know, that, that would be cool. So yeah, it just depends on how many events they have that make would make this worth it. Cause if it's like, Oh yeah, it's stuff at these Warhammer open events and at Warhammer world. It's like, well, that doesn't really do me a whole lot of good. Now does it? Well, you come visit Texas someday. <laughs> I, one day, one day, perhaps I mean, I've been to Texas before, so one day I will go back, but, uh, or they could come here. It'd be totally cool if they came here. I'm just saying. I mean, we know events in Kansas. Not that they will. We know events in Kansas City now that they can attend and like, you know. I, I have a feeling we're not high on their list. I'm just saying like <laughs> the event exists again. So, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll help grow the event. Dear GW. <laughs> you, you said we you had extra between, space, Kev. Yeah. We Do we have 256 GT? for each? Yeah, we we th- no no we well, don't not two hundred fifty six free volumetrically yes. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to figure out the technology for double decker uh, tables. It's fine. Yeah, that sounds like a horrible idea. Where nothing, could, <laughs> like nothing could possibly go wrong critically with that, exactly. right? It wouldn't destroy everything underneath. Yeah, I I can't think of a downside. I will say that if we if we do if the plans happen where there's a an eighty person GT minimum and maybe like a 24 person friendly and maybe a 30 to 40 person age of Sigmar. I mean, that hits their like hundred some person minimum for like doing something official. Right. I mean, that, that, that's kind of how that should work. Right. Right. So I understand Uh, it. Yeah. Except for the fact that all of them have sold out and would be wanting more than 256 spaces for everything. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. We're just talking about our our little event, you know. Oh, so so not con- asking to convert ours. Gotcha. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not converting. Just just yeah, just showing up, you know, like you do. But anyway, uh, so I think overall the Warhammer Plus is actually a really good deal. The app access alone makes it cost efficient. Mm-hmm. The addition, the free model is a is a neat perk. And at six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, it's actually fair. And with them rolling out new content every week, it's actually not that badly priced for what you know for the the video content. So I think it's I think it's actually going to be something that like I will I will subscribe for sure, and I think it will probably be a, a good deal. It may not it it absolutely may not be everybody's thing, but. I'm I'm definitely on board for it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think I. I think it's a good deal, and I think it 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 answers my questions about like what content they were going to have and whether it was going to be worth it. I think the combination of the extra things they're adding to it and the price point makes it makes it at least a good deal for the first year. Oh yeah, I think I'm a lot like Kevin on that. Of I think it's going to be a good deal. I don't think I'm going to use all the parts of it, but the options are there. And as you pointed out, Rob. It's only going to be like two bucks a month more than me just having the app. So it'll feel weird doing the 60 bucks a year as a new expense, but then it's a one time thing and you have all the, like you said, the new features and what's coming. And for me, I think I'm most curious about the VIP stuff as to what that will entail as I'm now starting to go to tournaments, starting to try and travel again. Right. So yeah, I I think it'll I think it'll be good. Also, they did specify that the app is going to have an upcoming Crusade Army manager. So oh, that's nice. Yeah, and I will say they just roll pushed an out an update to the app to bring in the Mechanicus uh, uh, FAQ and Errata, and it didn't wipe out my army lists that I already had in there. So maybe they fixed the persistence issue. I think they did because last time I had a. Um the sisters update when like Morven Fall and the Paragon Warsuits got added. Yeah, all my older army lists stayed, and I was very happy about that. Nice. They still haven't fixed some point some pricing issues with like Death Guard, because for some reason, even though if you look at the detachment it says like I have a battalion detachment for worth fifteen oh six and a Supreme Command from Rotarian that's four ninety, which should be nineteen ninety six. It for some reason says the list is at two thousand fifty six. Like the math doesn't add up on the app itself, so there's still some. Yeah, I've had that with some of the Eldar stuff. It's certain units that if you add and then change or move its points, get doubled or not calculated or removed. It's just it's weird. The best yeah, I can say so, is open a bug thing for it. Yeah, so it's like if you're using the app. The access is worth it, but also realize the app is still a bit buggy on a few cases. So yeah, I I've I've experienced some trouble with the those kinds of units that have a built-in faction, but you can include in other factions and don't like invalidate their the faction ability of the detachment. Mm-hmm. Like stuff with those abilities, like I've had trouble, you know, adding to the detachments that don't have that faction like my like the biggest one for the the plague marines is like i want to put a a blight launcher on a plague marine it won't let you pick give him a blight launcher and a plague knife you can only have a blight launcher and a bolt gun which you can't actually have and for some reason it causes the entire unit to gain like 30 points in price or 20 points in price it's really weird so yeah the the app is still a little twitchy you know use at your own risk while they work out these issues so I'm in that it. case <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm i'm using it and for most things it's fine and what's funny is like when i first started building that list it worked fine, and then they rolled an update that included, I think, the update that updated the sisters with, like, the errata for Paragon Warsuits. It broke something else, so we'll – and this newest update didn't fix it, so. They, they're getting closer. They're not there yet. But um, moving on, then we had a announcement 
for the Octarius preview, and this was on July 10th. So the day we like the day before we would have been recording, and that I had a bad bad weekend. They announced a couple of new things, and one of them I think caught everybody a little off guard with what they what they announced. So we're getting a new version of Kill Team. A completely new version of Kill mm-hmm. Team. This is not just a revision of Kill Team based on 8th edition rules. It is completely stripped down to the bones and rebuilt. Uh, it's a little bit more like Warcry in some uh, aspects, although not entirely. It doesn't look like they're doing the dice thing for determining like powers that trigger, trigger off of like doubles, triples, quads, things like that. I think to a lot of people, even less importantly than the redone rules for Kill Team, it's what's included in the Kill Team box. And this is going to be a limited edition box, but they have announced the two squads that are in here will be available separately later, much like they did with Pariah Nexus. And that is Orc Commandos, which it's a pretty good looking lineup of Orc Commandos, and com- complete with a uh, pretty awesome looking bomb squig. And a, and a grot with a grappling hook. Yes. <laughs> But that's it. That's but that's it. That's the only cool thing in the box, though. Yeah, I I, I do I like the uh, commando with actually with a like a, a knit cap right. and like a beanie and the guy wearing the scuba mask for reasons. Right. I mean, sometimes you got to be in, do an amphibious landing. Yeah, but the other side is it's in, it's Imperial Guard on the other side of the box, and it's not just Imperial Guard. It's plastic Death Corps of Krieg. Those magnificent bastards finally went and did it. Yeah. So at this point, like with Plastic Sisters and Plastic Death Corps of Krieg, I'm like not taking anything off the table as far as what they release next. Like maybe maybe we are actually going to get squats at some point. Who knows? <laughs> I still want and don't want that at the same time. Because <laughs> you know right. you won't be able to resist it, right? Well, I've made the joke so much. I feel like if they come out with squats, I feel obligated to do that because I was championing for them. Right. <laughs> it's like, you brought this on yourself, you have to do it. You willed this into existence. <sighs> One of those, yeah. <laughs> you made your bed, now sleep in it. Yep. But yeah, the, the, and the Plastic Death Corps Krieg look phenomenal. Yeah. They look great. And they have confirmed that uh, this box will make, like, when they release it separately, it will make either a standard infantry squad or a command squad. So, You'll be able to, like, you know, add in some vehicles and you'll be able to do a fully plastic Death Corps Krieg army, which is something I never thought I'd be saying with any reasonable chance of reality. Right. Which also means that those jokes about the, uh, the start collecting Death Corps Krieg box just being a photon printer are no longer applicable. I mean, still have to, still have to print the tanks and stuff. But yeah, no. Um, well, <laughs> and, the, and the thing that, that gets me excited is obviously these Death Corps Krieg models are amazing. Like, they, they look great. The thing that excites me about this, we were talking about this last night, is the these are multi-part plastic kits. There is no reason why they couldn't release later bit, like, upgrades for different legions. And then, like, now you have your Cadian troops and, like, your Cadian-style armor and then you can do head swaps to do, like, Elysian drop troops or, you know, other legions. And then with these guys... You have your Death Corps of Krieg box, and then you release a Steel Legion upgrade. Or um, what was the other one that we were talking about that also wears like the great coats? Uh, 
Uh, Valhallans. Valhallans, yeah. Where, like, you could just release the heads and, like, backpack upgrades like you do for the Space Marine chapters. And now, all of a sudden, you have, you know, two plastic kits or, you know, in the future, a third one with Dave or Redu Catechins that can make a pretty good wide variety of legions. And all of a sudden, now the Imperial Guard players have, like, official options for a bunch of these legions and or uh, regiments. And I, I think that's very neat. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we've, so, so with the re Kev, which re uh, legion do you want them to make first I mean, so you can play it? Creek. I mean, come on. <laughs> They're doing plastic death core. Come on. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I will be picking this up for sure. <sighs> and like you look at the the models they have because they've built at least two different sets because like there's the set that's in like the blue the blue great coats which is like the example set that they showed when they first announced it but then it, they've been doing some rules reveals for how kill team is changing and they've got another set that's in like uh, green great coats and those models have been equipped with different options and built differently so it's like you can tell like these are very customizable kits. They're they're putting in a nice arrangement of parts yeah. to do this. So yeah, it's these are going to be infinitely customizable. There's no reason at this point why we couldn't see you know, obviously, you know, they've done they've updated the Cadian box, they've shown they can do head sprues. So now give us like we, we were talking last night about like Praetorian heads. Yeah. Like give us give us a set of like pith helmet heads, and you can make Praetorians. Give us a set of like we need to get the Catechin bodies rebuilt anyway because those are ancient plastic kits. Get us new Catechins and give us options for like Salvar Chem Dogs stuff like yeah. that. It's like there's or Penal Legion. You know, there, there's lots of options for for upgrading and for expanding upon the guard line in plastic. And so, yeah, this is really, really cool that they're finally doing this. Um, also, looking at the rules that they've announced, there's a, like, it is a very different set. Uh, like, the, the data sheets, the, the data cards for the individual units look way different. This does not look like a, uh, a 40K stat line at all. Uh, one of the big things that uh, people have looked at with a bit of trepidation is that the game no longer uses numerical measurements. It can, and they've even said, you're, if you prefer using a tape measure, that's fine. But instead, everything is indicated with a particular shape. So it, on, on the card, if you see something with a black triangle, that represents one inch. If you see a circle, that's two inches. A blue square is three inches. A red uh, pentagon is six inches and the box set they're releasing will have combat gauges and i'm sure they'll sell them also separately that have these shapes on the one inch two inch three inch side and then a separate piece for measuring six inches most weapon ranges however are entire length of battle because they're like a las gun can reach across an entire building so we don't need to put a range on a las gun like a bolter round will go through an entire building. We don't need to put a range on the bolter. Pistols, though, will only have like a six inch range. But this also means they can do things like, oh, yeah, your movement. So like the example of a movement, this uh, trooper veteran Death Corps Krieg has a movement of three white circles, which would be the same as six inches, but allows them to do things like, hey, when you're crossing over this piece of terrain, subtract one circle of worth of movement. 
You know what it reminds me of, Dennis? Mercs. Okay, I, I was my mind was jumped straight to Fantasy Flight with all the different right. symbols. Mm-hmm. Also, I, that as far as I can tell, they're they're not using they're not using alternate dice. Oh, good. So they're using regular dice, which is one of the things that always bugs me about Fantasy Flight games because every Fantasy Flight game has its own set of dice that are mutually incompatible with any other <laughs> Fantasy Flight game, even in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, but yeah, Mercs had movement based on cards, so yeah, that would be, and like you'd put the card down, and that would be your your movement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it uh, could be interesting. Yeah, and they're doing things like this unit has you know a movement uh, action point allowance, we're at action point limit, so like to move will be an action point, to perform an action will be an action point, to shoot somebody will be an action point. So you get one move, one shoot, one bonus action every turn? Well, you'll get, like, <laughs> so for example, a Krieg veteran will have, well, you'll have two two action points. So do you want to move twice? Do you want to shoot twice? Do you want to move and attack somebody? Do you want to move and do an action? Do you need to do an action twice? There's a, like, you have a defense value, you have a save value, which is pretty much the way, like, you know, like... Deathcore Creek has a five-up save. Saves only apply against ranged combat, though. In close combat, you get no saves. Interesting. Because they're like, it's really easy to stab somebody in a weak point if you can hit them. I mean, that's fair. From my experience, it's very, it's much easier to stab somebody up close than it is to shoot them from range. What? Sorry? Huh? What? <laughs> is, Kevin, is there something we should know? Or perhaps that we nope, shouldn't? Nope, nope, nope. I just talked about allegedly stabbing people in Minecraft. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, a Deathcore Krieg model in this game, because you're not limited to the, like, because one of the things with, with Kill Team is they were trying to base the wounds off the number of wounds that a model had in 40k, which meant, like, a Guardsman had one wound, a Space Marine would have one wound, but have the ability to, like, ignore injury penalties up to a certain point, and then Primaris would have two wounds. They've decided, no, we're going to do a completely different granularity. We want models to be able to survive a bit longer and do more things. So a Deathcore Krieg veteran has seven wounds in this system. That's a lot. Yes. However, weapons, for example, a LAS gun does two damage per hit, three damage if you get a critical hit, So and also does four shots when you attack. So you may have more wounds, but attacks will also do more you, damage on you average. S- you and still don't want to get them. shot by a LAS cannon. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> You know, there there will be particular types of veterans, like particular types of kill team models that have access to special rules. We saw specializations in the old kill team. We're still going to have that. Yeah, close close combat, you don't get a save. However, weapons will also sometimes have, like weapons will have special uh, abilities. Um, so they'll have sometimes special abilities that trigger off of critical hits. So, for example, if you have a long LAS, which is like a, a LAS sniper rifle, um, the attacks do, th- it's three damage on a hit, three damage on a crit, but if you crit, it's three mortal wounds. So, no saves against those. If you have a flamer, it has the special rule of, it's got a range of only six inches, but every model within um, a circle, so within uh, two inches of the target of the initial flamer, will also get hit. So that's how they're getting friend and foe. It says attack all models within circle of the initial target and uh, 
yeah, so that they didn't specify friend or foe, but it might be. I mean, you shouldn't be able to jump a flamer over somebody. And in close combat, like a power sword, like a guy fighting with a power weapon has four attacks. They hit on threes. And uh, if he hits, they do four damage each, six damage on a crit. And uh, the special rule of lethal five up, which is you crit on fives instead of just sixes. So power swords will ruin you in this game because you also don't get saves against them in any way. So that's... You know, they're kind of trying to make this a little bit more granularity on the wounds to allow them to kind of more easily balance stuff, but also combat should be deadly. But you might be able to survive the combat if you don't get hit all that much and then limp away and still do a thing. And they released a really cool uh, trailer with this that features the Death Corps Krieg and uh, Orc Commandos facing off. The Death Corps Krieger trying to hook up some explosives to blow up this this orc facility. And at the end, like one of the Death Corps Krieg gets hit with a flamer, and he's fully up flame, and he crawls away still and plunges his you know, hits the plunger on the detonator. Because Death Corps Krieg just nothing will you know, you just can't stop them. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's going to be a, a very different system than we're used to, but I think making Kill Team kind of its own thing is better for the game rather than just making it 40k but smaller. Especially with 40k already supporting like 500 point missions with their own mission, Mm -hmm. you know, their own set of missions to play. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key is that 40k scales better than it ever has. So you can make Kill Team its own thing and have it be a different, a, a different game. Like you know, like Zimmage, kind of like Warcry, and and use the models and and still be connected, but but be its own thing. And then you can have you know GW can then have events for Kill Team and stuff like that, and pro, you know and provide uh, more support for for various game systems. So no, I think this is good. Yeah, I think it's good. Also, this box set comes with a ridiculous amount of orc scenery, which is really cool to see. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the the table, like, they've had Kill Team tables in the past, and they've always been kind of sparse on setup. Like, they don't, they've never felt all that terribly congested. And this new board example they give, there is terrain and barricades and obstacles everywhere. So, and they did specify the board size is the same. It's still a, like, a 22 by 30 board. So, it's same board size, more terrain more stuff for characters to do different rule set i'm i'm actually pretty intrigued on this i don't know if i'm going to try to get the box set out the gate because neither of these factions really do anything for me but i'm absolutely going to pick up like the rule book and gauges and such for it i think for me i don't know that i want to delve into this one just yet because between getting back into 40k and still trying to do um, Underworlds, there's my big game and my skirmish game. I don't know that I have enough time for a second skirmish game. That's fair. And Kevin, you'll want it just for the Death Corps Krieg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Maybe you and Richard can set up like a long distance split this box thing, because I imagine, Richard, you are interested in all the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, I do want the stuff. I just, I still was trying to make up my mind as to whether or not I just wanted to wait for the commandos to be sold separately or not. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the the rules sound 
decent and and like I'd be willing to give it a shot to to learn how to play, but I don't know how much I'd play it. Fair, fair. And then tying into that, because this is all based off the Octarius sector for Kill Team, we, they've already announced the next uh, set of Warzone books, because we just finished up the Cheridon Warzone with the Book of, uh, Book of Fire. We've got Warzone Octarius Book 1 Rising Tide, which is Orcs versus Nids, with Imperial Guard getting pulled in, unfortunately. Man, it's a good thing we don't know somebody that plays both Orcs and Nids that would need this. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just feels <laughs> weird that normally every set or box is like two factions that we they don't seem to you play together. I mean, yeah, Orcs and Nids, probably people don't play them together, but man, this sounds like it's right up Richard's alley. And also, it's weird that this is the first one that in a while that doesn't focus on Imperium. I mean, you said Guard's in there, but... Yeah, Guard is in there, and it seems more like... Yeah, basically, it's more that they're trying to keep this war between the Orcs and Nids contained more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I, kind of curious to see like what kind of stuff you know Nids might get out of it, because they have been wanting for things for a while. <laughs> yeah. And also gives us a hint that a Nids Codex is probably in our not-too-distant future. Because we know orcs are coming, because we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, so if orcs are coming, that means we should be getting Nid and Guard Codexes before too long. So we'll get to see all the goodies that they get, hopefully in the next few months. Because, I mean, if you look at the, the book of like Book of Rust and Book of Fire, uh, we got De- like Death Guard had already been updated. Uh, Drukari were in were mentioned, and they got their codex around the same time as the first book. Sisters already had their old codex. They got their new codex just in time for the second book, where they were featured. Mechanicus was updated around the time that these books came out. So all the factions that are featured in there have pretty much been updated. So I can only imagine we're going to see the same thing for the three factions being featured here. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good guess that Nids and guard codexes are on their way. Um, They gave us a few more hints at the stuff that the orcs were getting and getting quite a bit, uh, the Beast Snagas get some new vehicles, including a the Kill Rig, which has a, a Whirboy <laughs> on, on it and is being pulled by a giant squig. But if you don't want a, a, a Psyker causing your the orcs around you to randomly blow up, they also have a Hunter Rig, which is just, it's the same thing, but with a big, like, harpoon gun on it rather than a, uh, a Psyker. Then there's a beast boss, which is what if orc war boss, but covered in all the animal parts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have the name for this particular piece of terrain, but it's the remnant of a gargant head, which if you don't know what a gargant is, it's basically an orc titan. So even bigger than a stampa, it's just the head of a gargant that has been turned into a uh, Ford command post with lots of DACA attached to it. Yep. Um, let's see. We get the Great White Squig, Big Chompa, and the uh, bo- the Beast Boss, Mozgrod, Scragbad, riding on the back. The kit can also be made into a Beast Boss on Squigasaur, 
which these are just fun things to say. I, yep. I just want to... S- and they're cool-looking models, too. We get some shots of the new boys' kit, which people, which they pointed out, hey, if you spotted these on the Gaunt's Ghost box, now you can see what they really look like. So, there, yeah, there's your new new boys' box. I'm assuming... We, we were having a conversation before recording that these will hopefully still be on 32 mil bases. Yeah. So that you don't have to rebase everything. Yeah. I still have never rebased my boys, so they're all still on 25s, so... Ah. I I so. need to I need to rebase mine already anyway, so Yeah, the I only rebasing like I've mean. done has been with Wraith Guard when that came out. Well and the the Secrets of Slanesh, I've rebased those. Yeah. I had to and I know Rob's my... sisters. <laughs> well there's the there's my sisters, but even before that I had to rebase my Plague Marines and my Noise Marines, because they were all on twenty five mils also. So when they updated the rules for those, I like a year or two ago, I rebased them. And then it's been years waiting. And they even mentioned in the video where they where they announced them that, oh, we forgot how to do these since Blackreach. And then we remembered <laughs> plastic Defcoptas. Yay. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say the, the measuring sticks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no whippy sticks. Just uh just, just black, just, just defcoptas, but that's enough, right? I, and these are nicely updated. They're, they're not exactly just the, the old black reach defcoptas. They look at a, a little more detailed and like up to current standards. So, yeah, I'll, I'll but have still to, following the same aesthetic, so they'll fit in nicely. Yes, yes. I, 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 I want to pick up. I have have a ton of defcoptas, but. I, I kind of want to get, you know, a set of these to kind of mix in. My favorite is the, uh, I think it's the middle one with the four blades on it that each blade on the helicopter has a rocket attached to it. So it spins faster because that's not going <laughs> to backfire at all. <laughs> I sure hope those rockets are painted red. That's, that's, that's never a going to be a problem. They have red parts. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, death copters are so good. So I'm, I'm glad they're back. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then the very last piece of that Octarius mission briefing was they they gave a little video teaser that, without straight up saying it, pretty much shows that Black Templar's rules are coming next, or soon. Or that they're getting squatted and, and I've being heard- removed from the game. No. <laughs> no, they're absolutely not I getting know. squatted. I've seen rumors of, like, re-release, like, plastic versions of Hellbrecht and Grimaldus and the Emperor's Champion, probably all Primarisfied because, yeah, you know they'll be updated. But, uh, but yes, uh, they are. They have strongly hinted, without straight up saying that, yeah, Black Templars are on updated rules for them are on the way, which is good because right now the only place where Black Templar rules exist is in one of the uh, Psychic Awakening books in Faith mm-hmm. and Fury. And all the Faith and Fury Chaos Space Marine rules were put into the Book of Fire that just came out. No updates, just kind of collecting them all there. So they are trying to retire those Psychic Awakening books sooner rather than later. Which makes sense. Once Orcs come out, Saga of the Wolf will officially be retired because Space Wolves have already been updated. Orcs will be updated. That book is officially done. I, I don't think there's any other book that's been completely replaced yet. Because there's always like one or two armies that are 
still missing. Pariah has Inquisition in it, so it can't be replaced until Inquisition gets updated. Um, And we're still waiting on Craft Worlds and Harlequin and Inari, so we can't replace Phoenix Rising. Just stuff like that's like... This this will at least Saga the Wolf will be able to be uh, rotated out once Nids get a Codex. Uh, Blood of Ball can be rotated out once we get updated uh, Grey Knights and Thousand Suns. Ritual of the Damned can be rotated out. So they're getting there. It's just going to take a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of Thousand Suns and Grey Knights, while we don't have a lot of detail on the upcoming box that has both of them, they did show off the new Castellan Crow miniature, which looks pretty good. Yep. Yeah. And he looks, looks like a Grey Knight with with a, a, a flashy sword. Yep. Nothing amazingly different. Like, they compared his original to the new one. I mean, obviously, there's more detail. He's a little bit larger. He's more... He's on, like, a character... Like, a hero-sized base and everything. And and the Black Blade of Antwer looks pretty good. It's all, like, flaming and black. But it's not, like... It, it's not a massive re- reimagining of the character. He's still Castellan Crow. Yep. And you can make him with or without his helmet. So I, I do like it when they put in the options for characters to be with or without helmet. Just yeah, because you know, like if you like the old Castle and Crow where he has his helmet, then absolutely keep it on this time. Yeah, so he, that is coming, and I believe he's going to be included in that new box set. And they said uh, Castle and Crow and the like new it. Great Knights Codex. Yeah, so it's like Castle and Crow and the new Great Knights Codex are available soon. And we'll be taking a look, closer look at both as we approach the pre-order date, which we still don't know when that is. So there's a lot of coming right soon. It is, I swear. <laughs> and then something that came and is now gone is the Beast Snagas box. This went up for pre-order yesterday. They did put the queue system in place to make sure that people who wanted it could order it. If you didn't get it yesterday... Too bad. It's gone now. And that means you don't get a you don't get access to the new codex for at least a month. I should be getting one through our friendly local game store. Nice. Awesome. I yeah, I was the owner messaged me, "Do you know anybody else who might want this?" And I said, "Well, Richard probably wants one." Oh yeah, no, I already have Richard down. I just <laughs> So, yeah, he knew you wanted one, so yeah, uh, I but, I yeah. I literally told like the day after they announced it, I went in and told him this thing's probably uh, a month off or more, but I want it. You know, and I think we've talked about the contents before. The the like the beast snaga, uh, beast snagas, uh, Zagrod wart snaga, the squig hog boys, the knob on a squash, smash a squig, the bomb squig with the uh, grot on it. The Codex uh, with the uh, Beast Snaga's artwork, the uh, Strat Strat deck, and please note the Orlando leg of the U.S. Open takes place after the release of the Beast Snaga's Orc Orc Army set, but before the standalone Codex is available. To make the tournament fair for any war bosses who might miss out on the box set, the current Orc Codex will be used at this event. Don't worry, you'll have plenty of opportunities to unleash your new Beast Snaga's at future tournaments. So since we know the Orlando event is in late, let's see, Orlando is what, August 20, or August 13th, 14th, 15th, so in just over a month. So we do know that the Orc Codex won't be out by then. So I'm guessing probably a week or two after that. 
because I don't think they announced like how much longer, but they said it was going to be about a month. But I do like that they they did put put that out there. Like it's not fair if the people that can buy this preview version of it can play the new codex while everybody else doesn't have access to the rules which does address one of your concerns kevin that you know these the collectors would get access to the rules before everyone else yeah that's consistently that is the only complaint that i have with things like launch boxes because they do eventually like put those models out and make them available for everybody my only concern is that that is the only way for a month to get the codex ahead of everyone else and i kind of wish they would release the regular codex at the same time just to put everybody on an even keel and get the rules out to everybody but that's a minor thing but i've noticed that with the sisters and uh lumineth realm lords and then um now this box that like you can get access to the codex a month early even if you can't use it it's still extra time to like look through it and pour through it and uh you know figure out things that other people don't have. So I don't know. I, I think that's, that's the only kind of complaint I have about those boxes. Otherwise I, I really do like the limited edition launch boxes. I think they do a good job of creating interest. So yes. And they absolutely did because like I said, this box is now sold out, but I, I do think by setting the precedent of this, like this official event that we are running as a company will not allow this mm-hmm. book yet because it's not fair to everyone else who can't get it. Because if only the people who bought it this, who could buy it this weekend can play it, that leaves all the other orc players who can't in a, at a disadvantage because they won't be able to really make an, an appropriately yeah. legal list. So by setting this precedent, other events might follow suit It'll be interesting to see because Flying Monkey is the same weekend. Will Flying Monkey make a similar call and say, Orc Codex not available until everybody can get it? Or will they say, well, hey, the person who bought the Beast Snag a Box gets to play with the new Orc rules and the rest of you, I hope you have somebody to crib off of. I can't imagine they would do that. Yeah, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I cannot imagine them making that decision. That just, it seems, it seems obvious to, to, to wait, but yeah. So... Now and it's it's I would say the sisters and the Lumineth Realm Lord options are slightly different in that those were armies that were not like the armies themselves were not available yet. Like if you bought this box, that was the only way you could play it. And uh, well, I mean, I guess sisters had a they had a yeah. codex sort of before that. So okay, now sisters fall under the same situation as the as the Beast Snaggers. Lumineth Realm Lords was a brand new army, so that yeah, one so slightly different is a yeah. little. Di- but yeah, no, I I think that's f- fair though. I think that's how events should handle these pre release boxes like that. That the codex, like you may have the codex, but until it's available to the general public, it's not a legal book. And I think that I think that's how, as a TO, it's how I would handle it. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's the only way to be fair to the majority of the player base. Yeah. Because not only are the the players who don't have the book who are playing orcs, the people who are playing against this orc army who haven't had a chance to find out what this orc book does are at a huge disadvantage as opponents. So for yeah, sure. I think yeah. it's it's best best to handle it this way. And I think that pretty much covers everything over the last three to four weeks that we've missed. Uh, the pre-order announcements came out, uh, during our break and it's Age of Sigmar starter sets, which, which are coming out really fast after, uh, 
surprisingly fast after Dominion, because I think with Indominus, there was like a month wait, wasn't there? I don't... I think they announced them pretty quickly, but yeah, I don't remember how fast they released. Um, But I I do remember they kind of followed pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, it's... Yeah, I mean... this is kind of a good opportunity for us to like to take in a little bit of a break or to miss an episode because there is a lot of stuff coming out for Dominion and Age of Sigmar 3.0. So, you know, we we did miss a few big big things that we talked about, but for the most part is kind of a you know, it's kind of a lull on the 40k stuff and then I imagine now that the beast snaggers are coming out and we're going to get orcs soon, it's going to start ramping up and we're going to get a lot of focus on 40k the rest of the summer. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We know August is going to see some uh, Age of Sigmar battle tomes drop, but yeah, I think for the most part, like the this will finish up the big focus on Age of Sigmar for this month, and August should be more of a hopefully more of a forty k month. And I I wonder. I think we're going to kind of go back to that like alternating every two or three weeks, mm-hmm. which game gets focus. And then, of course, we've got Kill Team coming out, which we don't know when that will be out yet and when the rest of the new Orc stuff will be out. So it's all coming. Um, we don't have... The, the Beast Snagabox is the only thing we had a hard release date on, which was comes out next week if you ordered it yesterday. So, yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff coming down the pipe. Honestly, I'm pretty positive about all of it. It's, it's a good time. Hopefully, we can get this... Uh, I mean... Like, hopefully the Delta variant can, like, pe- more people get vaccinated, events can continue to go on and be safe and not be locuses for, you know, Nurgle Plague. So, w- as we get more events, we're going to get more, uh, like, event data. We'll see more errata coming. We've already seen some errata for Mechanicus. Uh, addressing an issue that somebody wrote to us a couple episodes ago about can the uh, Terax, like, sterilizers and such drop down and then booster thrust out the same turn at the time they wrote to us that was absolutely legal now as of this week it is no longer legal uh that's been eroded out so you can't jump out the turn you come in the sisters have officially been eroded so that uh paragon war suits and celestine uh reduce damage to a minimum of one so celestine is no longer vulnerable murder machine Mm. sorry oh i'm sad (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they also officially eroded Paragon Warsuits are 240 for a unit of three, not 240 points per model. So good. <laughs> although they, it turns out they 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 are not nearly as good as people were kind of hoping they would be. But they look awesome, though, at least they do look awesome. And I'm still going to I still bought a set and I regret nothing. <laughs> uh, so. Also, I tend to play a little bit more for fun than be to be competitive. So I think in like in Crusade play, they'll actually probably be pretty cool to play. Yeah. So that like we've had some errata. Like we had the Drukari errata about a month ago. They're still really strong, but they've been toned down a little bit. You're seeing more variety in builds. Mechanicus is stupid strong right now, and this one errata is not quite enough to fix them. We'll see what happens there. Um, Sisters seem to be good, but not broken, which is really where an army should be. And I'm curious to see what kind of tricks orcs are going to have up their sleeves. Hopefully they are more at sisters level than they are Drukari or Admech level. Yep. I think that's healthier for the game. Yeah. But that finishes up our look at everything we missed. Uh, moving on to the last two parts of the show, hobby progress. While I didn't get a lot done last week for obvious reasons, the week before that, I finally pin- finished painting big Marathi. 
and I am very happy with how she turned out. It was probably the most daunting model I've ever put together and painted, and she came out really well. So I'm I'm feeling pretty confident overall, and I'm ready to tackle the next big challenge, which is Bellacore. Which Bellacore actually shouldn't be that difficult because he's mostly like blacks and grays. So he should he should come along pretty quickly. And then, although I don't know how soon I'm going to get started on him, considering I'm going to be packing everything up right. for a potential house move. So, <laughs> so it may be a little while before I have any hobby progress. And my hobby progress will be getting everything packed away and knowing that I don't have enough um, KR cases for everything, but trying to fit it all into foam and, and safe packaging anyway. So that's me. Uh, actually largely similar lines of thinking. Uh, I have a lot of stuff that's, that's pending, but I can't really work on any of it until I get some moving stuff resolved. So yeah, I just been kind of buying, buying a model, you know, models here and there and, uh, you know, planning, planning what I'm going to do once I get everything settled. Well, I guess for me, I still need to paint more sisters. Um, that's probably going to be a recurring theme until um, the U.S. Open in Austin. Hopefully, I can get it done. I'm hoping to get it done before Iron Halo, but we'll see. Um, in the meantime, after getting my Eldar out for the local tournament here, I, I remembered how much I enjoyed playing Eldar, um, and so toyed around with ideas for like doing trying a Wraith army next and found out i wanted more wraith blades so um picked up the start collecting kit because then i got the wraith blades i wanted plus um a warwalker and a wraith knight and a farseer so it's like hey bonus things that i i mean i can always use more of each of those but so yeah putting together those and hopefully getting them primed and set up for next month's um local tournament or local hobby store tournament for me, um, I've gotten put together uh, a bunch of the Cruel Boys. Um, I, I pretty much just have the the Hobgrots and the, the Jet Rippers and the the Hobgrots left to put together. I've put together all like the the kind of characters and larger models. So how'd the new uh, new AOS stuff go together? I haven't tried building the uh, the Stormcast yet. It, they've gone together really well. Um, they've got a couple of them that have kind of the, the long pegs that go like, you'll, you'll clamshell together like the front and back of a body. And like one peg will be on the back will be filled from the front of the body, but then we'll, the other one will be yet another hole. And then like you'll, put like an arm or a, a weapon or something with, with a longer peg that goes through like all like three pieces in. And like, if you, it, it's that, that old kind of thing of like, if you use too much glue, it's hard to get that long peg all the way down into the hole. So I kind of trim like the little, I, try and trim a little bit off of the ends of, of those long pegs and then they'll, yeah, I've had to do the same thing because yeah, otherwise go you just all get the that way excess. Yeah. yeah. Like you put a little bit of glue in there and it's all of a sudden the glue 
can't squirt out enough on the edges to to leave enough space. So yeah. So yeah, definitely have done that before. But otherwise it sounds like they, they, they're pretty well designed. Yeah. Yeah, they went together really well. The the big guy, uh the the war boss leader guy, um, went together really fast and looks really cool. Yeah, I need to. I, I'm looking forward to trying to put together Andrasta because she is just an awesome looking model too. Like they really outdid themselves with the models in this in this box. So on both sides. All right, and then that takes us to the last part, which is the morale phase. And the two things that I have been enjoying the most over the last couple or last few weeks have both started with the letter L, and that's been Loki, which I really don't want to describe. I really can't discuss without giving major spoilers away. So, right. <laughs> um, if you haven't watched it yet, just, and yeah, I think way- just a blanket statement of it's good. You should watch it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is good. You should watch it. And I will say it sets things up very nicely for whatever's coming down the pipe in phase four of the MCU. So yep. definitely dig it. Uh, great acting all around. Lots of fun. Yeah, definitely watch if you get the chance. The other thing I've really been enjoying, I've caught up on four seasons of it now, though the seasons are only like six or seven episodes. Letterkenny, out of Canada. Turns out our northern neighbors are actually pretty funny. Eh, they can be. <laughs> if you haven't heard about Letterkenny, Letterkenny, it's a, it, it is available on Hulu, um, and it is basically a show set in the small town of Letterkenny, Ontario, as they begin every season, Letterkenny is a small is a town in Ontario. It has five thousand people. These are some of their problems, and it is the story of a trio of friends: Wayne, Derry, and Squirrely Dan, and uh, Wayne's sister Katie, who are, represent the Hicks in town, and the misadventures that happen amongst them, the hockey players. And the skids, who are basically the the druggies in town. And it is some very, like, there's a lot of very clever wordplay. There's some great fight scenes. I find the characters to be just just funny to watch. I want to make a D&D character of Wayne as a fighter, because he's also the toughest guy in Letterkenny. Trademark, copyright. There's a there again when I say there's a lot of wordplay, they will do entire sequences where they are just playing off of a particular set of puns or like some particular rhyming or or alliterative device, uh, where they're just like they're just riffing off of each other. But there's also like there's storylines involving like everything's going on in the town and how like there's the the native reservation, the first First Nations reservation next door. And how the people there interact with them, and also having to deal with uh, the what they call the the de- the degenerates from up country who come into town and ruin everything, or the when they go fishing in Quebec, 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 they they all say it a different way. Like I feel like I'm not giving it a very good uh, description because I'm neither Canadian nor all that amazingly funny, but. Uh, it's 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 really fun. My partner and I have really enjoyed watching it and have gotten a lot of good laughs out of it. I absolutely recommend it. Uh, I'd, I'd like I'd seen jokes from it getting around and circulating online, and we're like, "What is this from?" And then I found it, and then found out it was on Hulu. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll go ahead and give this a try." And 
within a couple of episodes, we were completely hooked. And then the end of the first season, the beginning of the second season, if if I wasn't hooked already, I absolutely got pulled in by that point. Yeah, I need to I need to go back and give it another go. The first episode, there's a scene where they go into like this like mixer in a basement of a church and it's all very like awkward and I found that like sequence kind of uncomfortable because I've kind of experienced that kind of thing before and I just I think I just need to get past that and and give it another go yeah the the first like the first episode does get a, a little awkward but yeah it definitely like the like the cold open of the first season is phenomenal and then yeah parts of the first season are a, li- a little awkward but like by the time it it the season hits its conclusion like that de- stick with it get get through through the the initial awkward part and some of the the humor does come from the awkwardness but right it, yeah but yeah it definitely goes from there the first i think the 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 first three episodes they're still kind of finding their footing on everything although like i said the cold open of episode one is f- fantastic Episode four is good. Episode five is the one that just absolutely got me because there's like a whole thing with pest removal and a rave at the agricultural hall and business on the reservation and like, and it all actually comes together into the last, you know, into episode six. So yeah, if you can get, if you can kind of push through the, that first part that let you feeling awkward Trust me, stick with it. You'll be a fan. I think you'll I think you'll dig it. And yeah, I think that wraps up episode 241. Hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks. If nothing else, I will have my like even if my main computer is packed up, I'll have my laptop available and the microphone and we will figure out a way to record an episode if I'm in the middle of packing up my house <laughs> to to get ready to sell. So uh so keep watching this space. We'll try to get back on our regular schedule and uh, I'm like, I'm going to try to get in a game or two over the next couple of weeks. So hopefully, you know, we'll get, get back into it to the point where we can start doing list reviews again and like get stuck, you know, not just dip our toes in the water, but take a full plunge. But until then, from all of us here at preferred enemies, I'm your host, Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night. Good gaming. And Yeah. Lots of stuff coming in the next few months. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.